welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. This week's ABCA podcast is an on-location episode from Lewiston, Idaho for the NAI World Series. It was my first time in Lewiston and was impressed with how the event was run. The ABCA in Lewiston hosts a youth clinic the night before the tournament starts and had 600 kids this year. Lewis Clark State has hosted the national tournament for 21 years. In this episode, we'll hear from Indiana Wesleyan's Rich Benjamin, Taylor's Kyle Gould, Bellevue's Dwayne Monlux, Georgia Gwinnett's Jeremy Schiedinger, Cumberland's Brad Shelton, Southeastern's Adrian Dinkle, Mid-American Nazarene's Ryan Thompson, Lewis Clark's Jake Taylor, and Westmont's Tyler Votori. Congrats to Westmont for winning their first NAI championship. As always, I appreciate the coaches for taking time out of their schedules to sit down with me. Let's welcome everyone to the podcast. All right, here with Rich Benjamin, Indiana Wesleyan. We go back for a time, but since 2016, you've been at Wesleyan, so thanks yeah. for jumping on with me. Thank you for having me. I still think about your Barnstormers talk at Butler. Uh, mm. Still one of the best uh, transformational leadership talks I've mm. ever seen. I mean, how long did it take you to get to that point with being a transformational leader? Well, I think the first couple of years when I was at Judson University, it was, uh, you know, you're young, and so it's a baseball-only mindset. And uh, slowly you start to realize there has to be more uh, to the game than just winning. And uh, at that point, started kind of the journey of learning and, and growing and seeking out to some mentors to try to figure out how to make it about more than just baseball. Did you start winning after that? Well, you know, we won right away, uh, but it was a really empty feeling. And, uh, and so I think like, you know, after kind of growing and investing in people and winning, it's so much more fulfilling experience and uh, certainly more long lasting for everybody involved as well. What's it mean to have two teams from Indiana here? Well, I think it's exciting. Uh, baseball in the Midwest is competitive. Uh, there's a lot of recruiting done, you know, out of the Midwest, you know, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, uh, and that's reflected even in the draft, you know, at the highest level. There's really good players and uh, there's a lot of, challenges, you know, getting on the field 12 months a year, having to be inside and so forth. But there's a lot of like high work ethic, creative coaches, and a lot of players that are willing to do whatever it takes um, to get better. And so I think it's a good reflection of the, the quality of baseball and the quality of people in the Midwest. 
Do you also think that think the growth has gone with the amount of indoor facilities that we have in the Midwest now too? Because those yeah. have gotten much better. I think that's helped. Um, you know, I think strength coaching and nutrition. I mean, those things have really sped up development, especially for you know places like the us that are more four-year driven in recruiting, and you're competing against much older teams. How can you get your freshman in the body of a junior by February 1st? You know, becomes a separator. And our strength coach. Uh, Jeff's done a tremendous job with our group. And I love that you're built on development, but mm -hmm. how do you battle that? Because like, okay, the other teams that we're playing maybe aren't built that way. Mm -hmm. How do you battle that as a coach where it's like, okay, these other teams are doing it this way, but I feel good about the way that we're doing it. Well, I think, you know, everywhere you're at, you have to make where you're at an asset and not a liability. And so wherever you're at, you have to organize everything in your program around what is, who, who is the school that you're at. And whatever that niche is, uh, is not good, bad, or indifferent. That's your niche. But you've got to organize everything around that. Your training environment, your recruiting, how you build culture. Everything has to line up with the place that you know, puts you in a situation to lead that program. That's part of yeah. taking the job too, right? Knowing mm -hmm. that going in, like, okay, here's what the school looks like. Here's what it is. That's part of taking yeah. that job, isn't it? Well, I think you know, when you do hiring, you try to attract who you are. When you go recruit, you try to attract who you are, and when those things line up, it can be a really healthy environment. Yeah. What are your strengths this year for your team? Well, you know, I will say, like, there's a lot of cliches out there. Um, I would say, like, you know, for us, this cliche is one that is, like, implemented uh, in, in depth, in fullness. It's not on a surface level, and, like, the deep level of love and care that our guys have for each other, it's not overrated. Um, we have old guys and we have young guys. We don't have a lot of guys in the middle. And uh, as far as classes go, sophomores and juniors. And so the older guys are tremendous leaders, but their ability to welcome the freshmen in the room on day one and just heart, you know, really rush the process of, and speed up the process of like, you belong, right? You belong in this environment. Uh, you belong here and this is like, um, we need you. And when you look at cultures that do a great job of welcoming in the freshmen, what a healthier experience to develop and to just have an experience together with. But also, how much of that comes from you, though, talking to your older guys, like, hey, this is the way that we're gonna do things? Well, I think leadership's your people, right? And so you can come in early as a coach. One of the tensions in creating an environment is it takes typically like four to six years for a culture to be fully implemented. So you gotta forgive yourself, right? And you gotta give yourself grace and time uh, to allow the culture to build. And you have to grow with it as a leader. Um, you can't stay the same. And so, you know, I've had to grow over the last eight years. Our players have grown, the coaching staff. Um, you know, every year we've, we've learned more and more how to become a reflection of where we're at. We talked yesterday at camp about having a really hard schedule early. Mm -hmm. I mean, how long did it take you to get to that point where like, we've got to play really good competition in February? I can't give you the exact time. I can just tell you that like, for me, the big indicator was, because we started doing this several years ago, the biggest indicator was, do we trust our people to respond well through adversity? Or have we like helped implement that or help attract the right people that can respond well through adversity and just continue to grow. Um, when I felt like, hey, I have trust that the people in the room can respond well through being challenged, then at that point I was like, we've got to challenge ourselves. And so we've done that the last several years, going out playing World Series teams, 
going right from our Troyer Fieldhouse at Indiana Wesleyan, right onto you know a grass and dirt field down south, and our guys have certainly responded well to it. How do you handle that as a coach early? Because you know what the schedule is going to look like. You know, because you don't want your guys to be intimidated by the teams that you're playing, but you also have to kind of temper your expectations early in the year. How do you balance that as a coach, where it's like, okay, we're going to play some really challenging teams here, but without saying, hey, we need to be intimidated by these teams. Yeah, I think for us, it's been more, you know, process over outcome. You know, we don't talk a ton about what our expectation is for February. Maybe as a coaching staff behind the scenes we do, but like you train and prepare and you show up with the expectation that you're going to compete well and, and have a chance to win that day. I think the key then is like, however the game plays out, whatever it exposes, if it exposes strengths, then you make sure that those are recognized in the group and that we don't get away from the process that creates those strengths. But if we get exposed in some weaknesses, then we have to ask ourselves the questions, okay, can those be fixed, right? Do we have the personnel to where the issue is really with us as a coaching staff that we did not prepare them in that area? Okay, how do we prepare them in that area? And then sometimes you get exposed in an area that's like, hey, that's just way outside our identity. We just need to move on. And uh, so you kind of make your decisions based on those lenses. I mean, how do you get to that point as a coach? Like, okay, this is who we are as a team. So some of those other things we just got, can't worry about and just got to let those go. Well, I think like our, our coaching staff with, you know, Ian McDonald and Steve Friend uh, and Eric George, they show up every day. I mean, they are incredibly prepared. Uh, they show up and they really respect and value the time of the players. And then we've got some older guys that set the tone every day as well. But, you know, they keep it loose, uh, but it's structured and it's organized to where um, you just, you show up every day, you train long enough, over time you figure out like, hey, you know what, we're really good at this. And like this over here is not our identity, but this is, let's go live in this space. And that's just who we are. How did you get Steve here? I mean, he's a Northern California state yeah. bowl. Like, I, and I didn't even know yeah. he's here. He and I go way back. So yeah. I'm looking at the coaching staff yeah. and I text you. I'm like, how did you get yeah. Steve to come all the way out to the Midwest from I mean, California? Huge blessing. I mean, you know, straight personal story. Um, I got hired as a head coach at 27. So one of my things as a coach through my career has been, man, I wish I was an assistant for longer before I was a head coach. I wish I had a few more mentors in addition to the ones I had just to be more prepared to be a head coach. And so one of my prayers the last couple of years was like the Lord to send people that are great baseball people. And he sent Eric George and Ian McDonald and then Steve Friend moved to Marion, Indiana last spring uh, because his wife uh, and him have kids and grandkids that moved to Marion from California. And I recruited the heck out of him uh, because as soon as I met him, I was like, man, this guy's different. And he's brought a lot of value to our program and I've learned a ton from him. It's been an answer to prayer in my personal prayer life to just want to be surrounded with people that care and are intentional and, and get after it. And like, it's been a huge blessing to have those three coaches every day, you know, at the yard and in the office. It's been, it's been huge. With the opening round, I mean, did you have a feel that you were going to be able to get here when you started the opening round or was like, okay, we just got to play this thing out and see where we go? Yeah, I think like years ago, you, I spent a lot of time trying to predict what's going to happen and when. Uh, there's no sport that's a greater reflection of life than baseball and you just can't predict it. And um, so this was probably one of the first times in my coaching career where I just showed up and we just played the game we were in like legitimately did it. Didn't talk about it, didn't say it, but just played the game we're in and then show up tomorrow and do the same thing. And 
you know, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we're there. Um, but it's probably the first time I've surrendered whatever the outcome is. And I, I think it, you know, I, I think, think it freed us is up. a phenomenal term. Just well, as far as letting, I think surrendering sure. is a phenomenal term. For sure. Well, there's a reason why, like, the foundation of the gospel is surrender. So people are attracted to it because it's in our DNA that we're healthier when we do that. Yeah, I met Ty yeah. yesterday, your son. I mean, yeah. how are you cultivating things with him? Seems like he loves baseball. That's not always sure. the case with a coach's son. Right. You know, how are you cultivating his love of, of anything as, as a child? Yeah, well, I think my wife Casey gets a ton of credit for that, and she won't take it, but she should get it. Um, but I'll tell you this, when he was in first grade, um, we got a letter from the PE teacher, and it said that he was supposed to be eliminated from uh, like this uh, dodgeball, and he kept lying about getting kicked out and you know, being getting hit and everything. And uh, so we got the email, and we pulled him out of bed at 9 o'clock at night. We had put him to bed about 8.30. We sat at the kitchen table, and, he, and I said, hey, Ty, like, what's going on? And um, anyways, we couldn't get it out of him, and then he put his head down, and he started to cry. And he said, well, I have to win. I said, what do you mean you have to win? Because of your job. And see, he had walked the halls of Indiana Wesleyan and saw that we were first in the country as an athletic department and winning. And he saw like the emphasis that goes into recruiting and everything else. And even though we weren't emphasizing that in our home, he was picking that up in passing. And so my wife and I sat at the dinner table and we wrote down like three values that we were going to go ahead and matter the most to our family in this regard. And we sat down with Ty, we said, Ty, every time we watch you play, every time we watch you train, anytime we watch you do anything, we're watching you through these lenses and the outcome is the outcome. And so he's a really competitive kid by nature. Uh, he's someone who like lost at dominoes to his grandparents at like three and woke us up the next morning at seven to practice. He's wired that way, um, but he has been a, a tremendous teammate and he's learned the value of being able to see it through that lens first. I mean, if you, if you, in, if you like develop and invest in the person, the player will follow. But if you put the player ahead of the person, that kid's gonna get tied up. And so that's kind of how we've handled it. Did he enjoy camp yesterday? He did, yeah. Anytime he can get around, what run around, his favorite party yesterday? meet a bunch of kids. I think for him, it's just like meeting people. Uh, he's a pretty outgoing kid. Um, my wife and I joke about it because neither one of us talked at all throughout all of our school. And uh, he has a thousand friends and he loves to be active, so. What's next for you? Well, you know, I think soon after the season, I'll move on. I took a high school athletic director position at a local place in town, which I think is gonna be a great fit for our family. And, uh, and I'm excited about, you know, you know, who's gonna go ahead and come in, who's gonna be called into the program to continue to invest in it and help it continue to grow. And uh, I'm encouraged to follow it from a distance and, uh, and, and have a new challenge. Yeah. So. Thanks for your time, Rich. Great, thanks, Ryan. Here with Kyle Gould. Taylor University alum, but also 19th season at Taylor, so congrats on being here. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Um, I mean, how great is it bringing your alma mater here? That's incredible. Uh, it's something we've been working at it for a long time, and, and uh, Lewiston's always a dream. It's something you talk about. It's something guys want to do, and, and you hear all these stories about how great Lewiston is and how great the people are and how great the stadium is, and, and then this year's team gets a chance to come out, and uh, it's exceeded every expectation we have. What did you think of camp yesterday? The camp was awesome. The kids were great, ton of energy. Uh, just to, to be out here and, and see our guys, get to work with them and see the other nine teams and see those kids running around having a great time. It was a blast. What did you guys think? They loved it. They, the kids had a ton of energy. Um, 
the kids were really funny and, and I think as the day went on the the younger kids they loosen up because all the teams did such a great job and they interact with them and these kids go from being scared of them to all of a sudden they treat them like they're their big brothers and they were really funny and like engage some of them were super engaged in playing and some of them just wanted to jump on their back and hang out so it was uh just kind of lightens the mood a little bit. It's a, it's a great thing the ABCA does. Do, do your guys work your camp that you have? Oh, yeah. I know you've built yeah. up your camps. Yeah, do your guys work your camps? Yeah, they do. They work camps and, and like Taylor's a, uh, you know, we're, we're a small town in Indiana and there's a ton of inter interaction on campus, a ton of interaction on the community and so the, our guys are around it all the time. Is a benefit of that as they realize that coaching is not as easy as I think it is? <laughs> I told them that afterwards. One of them said, uh, man, those kids wouldn't listen to it. And I said, welcome to my world because I told you what time we were leaving tomorrow 10 times. So, yeah. Yeah, we talked a little bit yesterday about trying to play a challenging schedule mm -hmm. early in the year. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so we're blessed. We have a, a January term. So we spend two weeks every year in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and so we go out there, we get to practice in January, and then we get to play some of the top teams on the West Coast. Um, and so we've played LC State out there. We played Westmont out there. We got to play Ben U Mesa this year, uh, Arizona Christian every year. So uh, we play in the Coach Calderon Classic out there with Arizona Christian. Um, and then we, we, we came back and we went out to, we flew down to GGC and played them in a three-game set. Uh, and then the next weekend we flew back down and played in the Southeast Rumble and got to play William Carey and Point Park and IU Southeast. Uh, and then we um, wrapped up our non-conference with Olivet Nazarene who's coming off two straight conference championships. So uh, just believe you have to prepare your team for the, for the level you want to play at. Um, and so we, we got through our non-conference schedule at seven and seven. I felt great, felt like we were prepared. And um, you know, last week in the opening round, there's some big moments and big spots, but I felt like our guys were ready for them because of the, the quality of teams uh, we've gotten to play. We've played eight games against World Series teams already. I said that on the podcast a couple weeks ago. If you have a northern team after mm -hmm. spring break, if they're around 500, that team is really good. Well, I mean, I mean, you, you'd like to think so, and, and you just, you know, your goal is always to win your league. It's it's the same. It's the thing that uh, any level of baseball, everybody's trying to win their league, and so you, you want to make sure that you're preparing yourself. You don't want to get into a conference series and have that be the best pitcher you've seen or the the best lineup you've seen or the most athletic team. You want to try to knock that out early if you can, and. Uh, even if you take some lumps with it. But it's, it, it's the other thing, if you want a chance to be ranked or get a good seed in the opening round or, or be an at-large team, like you, you have to have a resume. And uh, you know, college baseball is largely dominated in the Southeast and the West. And if those teams can see you play and you play well and, and you win, you get a lot of points. But, but even if you go out there and play well, and don't win, I think you can still gain a lot of respect from people doing that. How long did it take you to figure that out? I mean, did you have that 19 years ago oh, as a young code head coach? Where you're yeah. like, okay, we're gonna play a really hard yeah. schedule here, even though our record may not look great early. Did, yeah. that, did it take you a while or did you have well, that right away? Yeah, I, I was 24 my first year, so I didn't know anything. So I, I, you just kind of do what it is. And then I'll say the other thing, our, um, Taylor's a special place, our alumni treat us really well. And so to even be able to afford some of that stuff, um, you gotta work hard and you gotta find ways to do it. But we've kind of, um, built up some systems to do that. Um, and so we're very thankful our alums are, are just really, really good to us. And, and so it, it allows that to happen. And there's some benefits with our January term where Taylor encourages people to travel. So we get some, some benefits that go towards the trip for that. Um, but yeah, you said I that last night, correct? You said the alums yeah. piece together $1,000 yeah. to, to yeah. feed the guys? Last year's alums, the guys who graduated last year, I think that's special because you think I'm sure those guys, for and a ton of them were out at the game when we hey, clinched. Hey, just graduated? I mean, I, I, I yeah. had to pay for That's $56 right. a month first year out. That's right. Taylor, Taylor degree might be better <laughs> a than little higher. <laughs> well, I think part of it is, I think your first your human nature is, why didn't I get to go? Like, why did that happen right after I left? And so many of those guys were out at the game, and, and one of the alums is like, hey, we're doing this. And so, you know, guys who just graduated all chipped in, and uh, we went to... Effie's Burgers, which is incredible, but it, it's special. And I think that's the kind of place Taylor is. Our alums are super connected. Um, 
and uh, I think just there's a lot of continuity with baseball and those guys really love each other and you know we're predominantly a four-year program um, and so guys come in and get really invested and um, you know we won and I, I, I've got a tally going I'm, I've heard from uh, 320 people since we won with Taylor, our people, uh, parents of alums and all that, but they, they've been so good to us. Um, but back to the original point, I don't know when I figured it out, but it was probably when we weren't finishing the season as well as we wanted to, where it was like, you know what, the worst thing that happens is we lose. And I think, uh, you know, if you ask our players, like they want to go play Georgia Gwinnett, they want to go play Tennessee Wesleyan, they want to, we're flying down to Southeastern next year to play those guys. They, that's what they want to do. Um, you know, we get, we go out West and it's like, we want to go play West Coast teams and, uh, I think you try to build into your team a little bit of like, uh, we, we can stand in there with anybody. What is it about baseball alum culture? They're willing to give back. Yeah. Every school I've been mm-hmm. at, uh, I think the baseball alums exceed yeah. every oh, other yeah. sport by a lot on yeah. donating back. Yeah. Is it because we don't have a lot of scholarships? <laughs> I mean, that, that's what that's I kind of equate it to is like, yeah. I think think the baseball guys realize what the current guys are mm-hmm. going through and how much they have to sacrifice from yeah. the financial piece. Right. I think they're willing to give back much more than football and basketball. A hundred percent. And I think the national trends would tell you the, uh, like the lowest giving, uh, just university-wide, not athletics, is full-ride athletes. Um, but even what we've done with our facility over the years, we put, I mean, we've put well over a million dollars into it. And it's been funded by alums and parents of alums. And so you come to Taylor, it's beautiful. And, and you know, I think sometimes you don't have that stuff. The assumption is like, well, Taylor just did all this for you. Taylor does plenty for us. Taylor's an amazing place to be, but our, um, our alums, parents of alums, parents have done this, and, and then it just kind of, you just kind of build into it, and then it's like, what's next, what's next? And I think that what I've learned is the more things you can tick off, the more things you can do, then people get excited about doing what's next, and times it feels a little overwhelming, but it's just fun, it's just, it's really fun, and I also think, like, as a coach, those things don't happen when you don't stay somewhere. And, uh, like, I'm a Taylor guy, there isn't a coach in America who loves their school uh, more than I love Taylor, and um, appreciate being there, and I think, you know, all of that stuff is just, um, it's easy for me to sell. It's easy for me to, to want it to be better. And so, you know, coming out here is a huge moment for all of us. And I think our alums feel a big part of that too. What is strength to your team this year? Oh man. Um, so we're very, uh, spread throughout the classes. We start three freshmen in our everyday lineup. Um, three of our top eight pitchers are freshmen. We don't have a single senior pitcher on our, on our team. Um, and we have some good, we have a couple good fifth year seniors uh, who had COVID years. I, you know, I just think it's the depth of our team. Um, we've won 40 games largely because, you know, we play four game series in our league and we have four guys who can start and we've got guys in the bullpen that can pitch. And so, you know, I think there may have been years where we had more of a, maybe a uh, knockout number one, although Matt has thrown great for us down the stretch. But it's just the depth of our pitching staff and the, kind of the same thing in our lineup. Um, you know, we've got, Caleb Colping's one of the best hitters in the country and, and TJ Bass was a first team All-American last year but like you got to pitch one through nine to our lineup and so there's there's and uh, you combine those two with like we catch the ball and so um, you know I just think it's there's just kind of a balance to it and probably play a little vanilla probably not uh, the most exciting style but we just try to try to practice every day the things that happen the most and try to be really good at the things that happen the most so we're not trying to do anything elaborate anything tricky when they hit a ground ball we want them to be out when they hit a fly ball we want it to be caught um, and then, uh, you know, our pitching coach, uh, Justin Barber, does an amazing job with our pitchers, uh, teaching them stuff uh, and teaching them what their stuff does and how to use it. And then we get on the mound, compete like crazy and, and throw as many strikes as we can and, and just um, try to command the strike zone and hit for some power. It's really the way we're going to try to play. You talked about low pulse yesterday. I mm-hmm. mean, how long did it take your team to figure that piece out? It, it I took think some as time. coaches, we all want that. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's really hard to get to, especially in the postseason. It is. You talk about handling adversity here in the postseason. Mm-hmm. You guys have done a great job. Yeah. Did that happen during the season, or is yeah. it like, okay, it's postseason play time now. Yeah. We're going to try to back this thing down and keep our pulse yeah. rate low. Well, the first thing I think as coaches, like our pulse rate has to stay low. And I think as coaches, like sometimes we have to know when uh, – when, when they need our pulse rate to go up. So maybe you're playing a, a series that isn't as like intense of a series, like we gotta bring it a little bit. And when you're playing a little more intense games, like we gotta scale it back. They, they know, they don't need me to tell them, hey guys, if we win today, we go to the World Series. You know, what, 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 we, what we try to tell them is like, we're just playing a baseball game today, that's it. But I, I think that question for coaches, and, and one thing uh, in college baseball, uh, it is very easy to move on from players, uh, way too easy. Um, but I think when you're in a four-year program like Taylor, like you really have to be all in on development. And part of that is understanding people develop at different rates. So I could go back through our history and tell you like, this guy for a year and a half struck out and blamed the umpire in every big at bat. And then he ended his career as one of the toughest guys. And the same thing on the mound. And so I could, I could point to some guys and say, man, in February, he kind of fell apart. And in May was huge. And sometimes that happens as freshmen, sometimes as sophomores, sometimes as juniors. We're just at Taylor, we're fully committed to our players, like fully committed to our guys. Uh, we bring a guy in, he's our guy, and we're going to work with him. Uh, and I think there is some real simplicity to that, and there's some real joy in that in coaching. And it gives people, they, people grow at their own rates, uh, but they only do it if we give them intentional opportunities and if we keep hiding them from it. And whether that's false scrimmages where we're going to put base runners on and we're going to put pressure on you, or whether that is uh, putting a freshman kid on the mound with a lead in the eighth inning against GGC and, like, and, and giving him a chance to succeed and, and hopefully learn from it. But there's no easy way to it. Like, you can't talk your way to it. It's like things are better worked out than talked out. And, and as coaches, like, I think we, we've got to be willing to let them go through it and maybe go through it two or three, four times. And the hope is you get into a spot like this year where we get, get an opening round and we played fantastic. We handled every big spot. We handled every mistake. And, and here we are. Is that because you played at Taylor too? Because Evansville is the same thing. Yeah, like we're gonna that's have right. 25, 26 right. guys on the team. Right. So you're going to have to wear it with some freshmen. And that's what it is. You know, again, that, that's a benefit. You've been yeah. through it where maybe a coach that hasn't had that's to right. do that, as a player, they haven't seen that. Like you've seen that yeah. work up front because you're a player. Yeah. And, and every school is different and every program is different. And like, uh, you know, what we do at Taylor, uh, I don't know if it would work at other places and what they do there, it wouldn't work at Taylor. But we're... Um, you know, we're a Christian school with an average ACT of 27 in the middle of nowhere of Indiana. And so we're from the beginning like, hey, we need guys who, who, uh, who want to get... Easy now. I love Fort Wayne. I live in Fort Wayne. I know. It's a good easy. spot. Easy. Yeah. But, we're, I mean, if you want to, like, get an actual education, uh, if you want to, like, just grow as a man, grow in your faith and play a high level of baseball, Taylor's a fit. If you don't, it's not. So we really try to get like-minded people, people who want to be at Taylor. And, uh, and then just understand this is our only chance. Our only chance is to develop these guys. And I think over time, like you just learn to see like just the excitement in it, the joy in it. And, and I would say this, like th- this, is a, this is a dream come true to make it to Lewiston. For me, for our coaches, for our players, for our alumni, it's a dream come true. If it had never happened, like I still would have been one of the happier coaches in the country. Like I love what we do at Taylor. I love our team um, and, and we would have kept on for it. But if I had got done coaching and it is what it is and didn't make it to Lewiston, like I'd have been okay. We all would have been okay. And knowing that with your freshmen, you yeah. know, freshmen play a long, this is a long season for them. Do you adjust yeah. anything with their yeah. workload on the mm-hmm. back end? Because mm-hmm. freshmen, you get done with finals, like they're going to be worn out. It's a lot. Especially guys that have played every day for a freshman. Mm-hmm. It's something they've never had to go through. Do you mm-hmm. adjust their workload at all? We do. And we try to, you know, we start a, um, we get into the second week of March, we start a 10% reduction throwing every week till we get to 50. Like little things like that. 
practices are shortened. Uh, we'll get into BP and we'll give different guys numbers of how many throws they're making that day. Um, and, and, and even like with days off or, um, you know, one thing we do a little different, we try to, we separate our practice days and lifting days um, and try to avoid taking them down to zero um, and try to uh, be, and we start that in fall baseball, try to be really intentional. Today's the day in the weight room, today's the day on the field. And, but yes, you have to be very mindful of that. And I think even the mental, the grind of it, and you're, you're playing all these games that matter. And so um, try to throw days off in there and try to at times like just understand where they're at and that uh, their best that day may not be their best that day in two years and, and work with them. And, and um, you know, part of it too is like be on their side, like pull for them, want them to do well. And, but yes, a lot goes into that. Hey, you're on a three-hour time difference here. Yeah. You're playing at 8.35 in the morning tomorrow. Yeah. Did you adjust anything with yeah. your time schedule to try to yeah. get adjusted? You've been here for a couple of days, yeah. so hopefully they're getting acclimated. Yes. But, I mean, have you played an 8.35 a.m. game? So when we go to Arizona, uh, we practice every morning at 8 o'clock. So we fly to Arizona. We left Taylor at 4 a.m. We took an hour-and-a-half bus ride, a four-hour flight, a two-hour flight, a two-hour bus ride, got to Lewiston. We just told them we got in at, like, 4 o'clock, went to dinner, which was the equivalent of 7 o'clock, and said everybody stays up till at least 8 and then everybody's in bed by nine, and then we practice in the morning. So we kind of went on our Arizona schedule, but we try to leave very little to chance with the schedule. But uh, you know, we, we, luckily they gave us the eight o'clock practice day. I went down to breakfast this morning in the hotel at 610, and half our team was already down there. So I think the other thing, and you know, we got a great opponent with Mid-American Nazarene, and, and Ryan Thompson's a good friend, and um, I'm sure they're doing the same thing. If you, if you can't get up to play a World Series game, like, what are we talking about? So I don't have any issues with that. The other thing that all the coaches, my friends who've been out here before, I was just talking to Jonathan about it, he said, if you play the first game, the schedule's set. You know what time you're playing. Any other game, you have no clue. So I'm, we would have played in the parking lot at 3 in the morning to get to Lewiston. So it's, 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 it's awesome. What do you love about Fort Wayne? I love it because there's, <laughs> there's only a couple cork and cleavers left. That's right. When I was at That's Western, right. we played IUP That's Fort right. Wayne every year. And so we stayed at the Hotel Fort Wayne, which yeah. is right next to the cork and right. cleaver. And so that was a great reminder of yeah. Evansville for me. Going That's to right. Cork and cleaver in Fort Wayne. Uh, Fort Wayne is it's a, it's about 40 miles north of uh, Upland. We're halfway between Indianapolis and Fort Wayne pretty much. Um, I like Fort Wayne is everything you need and nothing you don't. I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's a nice city. They've got minor league baseball. They've got, you know, there's stuff for the kids. There's good schools. It's a good place to live. We live in a um, really nice community, nice neighborhood. I love Fort Wayne. So it was one of my favorite towns. Yeah. It's a big Evansville. It's a nice place. That's right. That's a, a good way to say it. That's right. Now, AD role, yeah. do you help the other teams recruit? I mean, you're an alum. You've yeah. had success as a baseball coach. Do you yeah. help the other teams recruit? Uh, I, I try to spend all my time as an AD doing whatever to help those programs be successful. And ev we, have, we have 16 sports, uh, 13 head coaches, our cross-country track and golf coach both, like most. But every, every coach, it's, it's different. There's some coaches with, with uh, you know, more experience than me. They, don't, they just need me to remove obstacles. And there's some where like, they, they need some help with stuff. And there's stuff where they help me as a coach a ton. But we got a great group of people there. Um, our associate athletic director, she's amazing. And she takes care of a lot of the day-to-day -day and the detail stuff. and the eligibility and all that stuff. And we try to work with coaches on like, just getting to our ceiling. And, and uh, you know, we, we wanna talk about like, how do we recruit at the highest level possible? How do we give our players like the best experience and like compete at the highest level we can? And just really try to stay like locked in on those three things. Do you do main staff meetings? So uh, we, we do two meetings a month. Uh, we go every other month and we do one that is more um, administrative, more like the details of it. And one of them is just coaching stuff and try to bring in people or have coach, use experience in the room. and. And, and really try to um, do as, like, as little like, unnecessary meetings as possible because they're all really busy and stuff, but, but make sure we're spending time on like, 
you know, our, our uh, cross-country coach won two national titles, one men's, one women's. It's like, we probably ought to hear from him on how he's doing it. Or, or our um, football coach is turning the program around. He's doing a great job, and they've signed a great recruiting class. It's like, well, how are you doing it? And a place like Taylor that's 30% Indiana kids, uh, university-wide, is like, it's a very niche recruiting. And so when, when one of our coaches gets an end at a school, like, we need to be able to, like, to look at that. And we need to be able to look at, like, well, well how can we work together to do this? But it is an amazing group of coaches. Some of them are flying out here to Lewiston. Um, to, just to be here for it and, and have great relationships. And I have a ton of respect for the coaches I work with. How often do you get the whole, all the athletes together? Yeah, that's a good question. As soon as they get on campus. Yeah, right away. Do you ever touch them again as a group? Yeah, so our, our plan is to do it like twice, like once a semester. Um, the problem is with that January term, it's tricky. But we do the first one at the beginning of the year. And again, we try to make it as less like here's the rules, here's the eligible, and more of just like here's big picture what we're trying to do. This is what Taylor Athletics is about and your coach is going to coach to their personality like within this. Um, and, then, and then we have some other things, like we just did this incredible new weight room uh, and we put it kind of in neutral ground and our, it helps when our football coach is such a team guy, but we have multiple, it, it's big and it's really nice, we have multiple teams that lift together and our athletes love it, it's their favorite thing. That when they go up there and lift, uh, we lift up there once a week with the women's soccer team, our guys lift way harder that day than the other days. Uh, but there, there's just like a, a sense of community there and, and Taylor's a special place and it's special uh, way outside of baseball. Uh, there's so many great things uh, for kids to do and, um, and so we, we work hard to like be a part of that. Thanks for your time, Coach. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Right, here with Dwayne Monlux, Bellevue, 12th season. Yeah. Congrats Thank you. for getting here. Thank you. Thank Bellevue's you. had a great history in NAI baseball, correct? Yeah, you know, Coach Evans before you know I ever got there, they you know they were mainstay here. I think we made it 12 times in the World Series and and uh, established a program in a, in a in a pretty good position. And um, you know, since we've been here, we've tried to try to continue and uphold that tradition. And it's your fourth appearance here, correct? Yes. I mean, what are some some keys to getting here? Well, I think you got to get lucky at times. <laughs> One, you have to have talented players, but you know you have to have some things fall in your place at a regional. Uh, you have to have good starting pitching. We did that. Um, we had two guys through complete games, and uh, we stayed in the winner's bracket. I think we only threw four pitchers in the opening round. So um, we have to have their timely hits, uh, you know, two out hitting, um, and play clean defense, and we were, we were able to do those things. You're one and two. What year are they? Pardon me? What year are you one uh, and Both two? juniors. Both, both juniors. juniors. Yeah. So they've been through the wars a little bit. Yeah, yeah. well, Dustin's a first-year player for us. Crippen played uh, in the World Series last year. He threw against Tennessee Wesleyan. So those have been our, our two top guys. And, and then Alex Silesio, our number three, has been um, in, in two opening rounds and, and got a win last year at the World Series here. So, so we've got, we got some veteran guys up there. they local kids? Uh, Blake is from Oregon. Uh, Dustin Shorey is from Phoenix. And Silesio is from California. Do you adjust their workload at all? I mean, quite a few innings maybe up to this point? Do you well, we don't their... ever really run our pitchers up very high in an outing. Um, I think the most anybody threw, Selly threw 114 pitches in the, in the championship game of the opening round, and that was our highest pitch total of the year. So we try to keep our guys around the 100 pitch mark. Um, obviously less of a workload during the, uh, earlier in the season, but we don't tax our, our guys. And, uh, you know, they pitch very well because of it, I think. How much you playing at home early? Uh, we played, our entire conference season at home, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, um, some of the, uh, the weather up north didn't cooperate very well uh, for some of the North Dakota schools, so they all came down. We opened up the third week in February against Briar Cliff, but we were really fortunate. The weather was great in Omaha. Our first six practices in January were all outside. 
Um, we have an all-turf field, and once that snows off, and if we can get some decent weather at all, even in the 40s with no wind, we can be outside, and, and we were really lucky we were able to do that early in the year. What are some other strengths of the team this year? I think our defense has been really solid. Um, that's kind of been our backbone. Last year we were you know, pretty good defensively. Uh, we actually set the national record for defense last year, and, and we're only a couple ticks behind. I think we're second in the country right now. Um, we, we've been able to hit the ball. You know, we've hit, hit, hit with average and power. Um, and then our starting pitching has been solid. So, but I would say of everything, probably our team defense has been our by far our overall strength. Did you have any turning points this season? You know, we were, I don't know if we necessarily had a turning point. We played a really tough schedule at the beginning. Um, we'd come off two losses to St. Thomas, and, and we made a couple changes in our, in our lineup, moved some guys around, moved some pieces around. And from then on, we started playing really good baseball. You know, we beat St. Thomas and ended up knocking off Warner, and we're able to go down to Southeastern and get a big win for our program. And we played pretty good. We, like I said, we started off seven and four, and then since then, I think we're 40, 41 and four. So played pretty well since then. Yeah, I mean, how much confidence does that give your guys? You go down to Southeastern, you beat the, you know, the returning national champion. I mean, how, how much confidence does that give your guys? Well, I think any time a team can beat the number one team, you know, and, and unanimous number one, hands down number one team in the country. So, and to do it at their place, our guys were excited. You know, they were looking forward to that game. And, and I think their guys were looking forward to it. They want to, you know, even, you know, top ranked teams want to play other ranked teams. And it was a really competitive game. Uh, we did just enough to, to get through it. And, and it was a big win for our program. I mean, how good is the area of Omaha for baseball? Well, it's good. Obviously, that you know, in, in a month here, things are going to get pretty exciting. Uh, you know, the one thing, Nebraska, and especially the Omaha area, they really embrace the, the sports, whether it's Creighton baseball, uh, UNO, Nebraska volleyball, football. I mean, in that area of the state, athletics is a big, big thing. And, and um, like I said, uh, the College World Series in, in about a month here amps things up pretty good in Omaha. I, that was my time at Evansville, just going over there. You just saw kids playing baseball yeah. everywhere. It's one of the few places you go to now where you see every field. Yeah. Kids are playing baseball. Well, and on those fields, when the World Series is there, they have all these tournaments. So there's every field in Omaha is being used in a three-week span. It's just crazy. So um, whether they're eight-year-olds to high school kids to six-year-olds, it's, it's every field. And between Council Bluffs and Omaha, they're all being used. It's an exciting time to be in Omaha. How was your time at Dickinson State? It's great. Um, loved it. I went to school there. Uh, I was able to go back and, and coach at my alma mater. Uh, I coach football, actually, football and baseball. Um, loved my time there. I got married there. Both of my kids were born there. Uh, we have some very close friends still up there. Uh, I cherish that time. Um, it took a special job for me to leave. Uh, when the Bellevue thing opened, you know, the timing was kind of right. I'd done football for 10 years, and, and it was probably time with two little ones that I'd give up, you know, one of the two, and, and I wanted to keep doing the baseball part of it. And so it worked out, and everything's worked out great uh, since I've been at Bellevue. Um, but I love my time at Dickinson. And it was pretty awesome. We had a conference tournament was up there this year, so we got to have a chance to go back and play, and, and then our team ended up winning it up there, so that was kind of a special, special one for me. Yeah, I was going to ask you if it was ever an option to stay on the football side coaching rather than stay with the baseball side. Uh, you know, it never really came up. I'm sure if I actually went and, and, and went that route and said, hey, I need to give one up, that something might have been able to come from that, but I love doing both so much, but like I said, it was 10 years of doing both. It was, that was a lot. How'd you handle being a three-sport athlete in college? I loved it. It was to me, it was no different than playing in high school. You went from one sport to the other, and and I, I wish more kids would do 
multiple sports. I mean, was that set up with the coaches? All three were good with you? Well, it helped that our head football coach is also the head baseball coach. So that worked out pretty good. Um, and our basketball coach, my basketball coach, was really good friends with the head football coach. So it was a very tight-knit group of, of coaches up there, so that helped out a lot. Um, and except when football got done, baseball, that was, that was a, a great combination. I wish more kids would play multiple sports. I think there's too much specializing going on. I think kids need to learn to compete and compete in different sports. Um, I, I think we're missing the ball on that. Um, and I think that's causing some of the injuries that we have at a young age. So I'd love to see more kids involved doing that. And to me, if you know, at a small college you have that opportunity, but everyone thinks it's impossible to do it, it, it it's not. We um, had two at Western yeah. Illinois, Division yeah. One, two football, baseball guys, and they made it four years yeah. playing. You can do it. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was fun. So for me, it was no different than high school. I just went from one sport to the next and pretty much wasn't much of a break, maybe one or two days of, of, of off and then right back into the next one. So to me, it's all I ever knew. How was the National Indoor Football League? It was awesome. It was fun. Um, I was fortunate enough to play in that for four years. Uh, played two years for the Wyoming Cavalry and two years for the Bismarck Rough Riders. Kind of a unique combination because I was coaching at the college and I would drive over and play for the, my last two years. Um, I had a blast. I met some great friends. Uh, it was great competition. You know, football is a sport that you don't have an opportunity to go back and play again. So to be done for, in college and, and you know being a GA and then having the opportunity to go back and play there for four years, that was awesome. I, that was it, was it was a lot of fun. How have you handled sports with your kids? It's crazy. My son hates baseball. <laughs> Believe me, right. he's not a he huge fan of it. He, he, he did it. Yeah, I think yeah. partially did it because I was a baseball coach. Yeah. But, you know, his sophomore year, he's like, hey, I'm just going to focus on track. And I was yeah. fine. I think he was hesitant, yeah. which was crazy to me. I'm like, we talked about he's 20 now. Yeah. We're hiking the Blue Ridge Mountains. I'm like, Jackson, why were you concerned about <laughs> telling me you didn't want to play baseball? Like, my, I, my son just he doesn't like baseball. My daughter tried softball. It just didn't really click. Uh, my son loves football and he does track. Uh, my daughter is uh, uh, basketball, volleyball and track. And I tell them, you know, be a good teammate. To me, that's one of, one of the most important things for me to teach them is to be a good teammate. Um, you're going to have games where you play good, games where you play bad. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but you have to be a good teammate all the time. And you have to play hard. Those are the two things that I want them to do on an everyday basis. With this tournament format, do you think it's a benefit being a lower seed because you get a second round by where you can maybe bring your number one back? Or if you it doesn't can, matter if the, you can win the, that first game. The three through six seed, if you can win your first game, you put yourself in a really good position. You really do. Um, we were fortunate enough in 2016. We were a three seed and we won that first game. There's four teams eliminated before you throw another pitch. Um, so that is a huge. So between you know Westmont and Cumberlands and, and William Carey and Bellevue, that first game is really really important. Um, you get your have a chance, like you said, to get your number one back a day sooner if you're able to advance further in the tournament. And having two days off, just getting to watch and you know scout other teams, you know at that time is is is, is critical. So, um, yeah, that those. How do you, how do you balance that though with the time off and then also not losing that rhythm too from a practice standpoint? I know it's late in the year, so the rest is a good thing, but. How do you kind of balance that where, yeah, the time off's great, but we don't want to get away from it too long? Yeah, I, I think with our players, that you know, they're used to it now. We're, we're a team, we believe in days off. Like, uh, if we get through the grind of a season, you know, we're not going to beat our guys up. You know, our practice is now, we're an hour and a half, you know. If we do a, a inter-squad or for something, we need a couple guys on the mound, it might be two hours. But, 
you know, they need that time to, to heal up. And it's, you know, the starters that, that need that rest. And um, so it's not, if, if we were fortunate enough to win, we, you know, we would take Saturday and practice, have a light practice Saturday, kind of a walkthrough type of thing, maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And then Sunday, when we've been here, I've, I've let the kids a lot of times go with their parents. You know, do a family thing, get away from baseball. Um, the rest of the guys will do something with our honorary coaches. Cause I think that's important. I want our kids to have a great experience here. Yes, we're here to play baseball, but it's also a World Series that might be the last time they ever get that opportunity. As a coach, it might be the last time I have the opportunity to be here. So I want them to embrace the time here and really have a fun experience. How are the honorary coaches picked? You know, I don't know. I think they just, uh, they'll, they'll run through uh, it was really funny the first couple of years that we made it. Uh, I had one of my former players that worked at one of the banks here, and so that was the obvious one. That so he jumped in with this. Frank here, do you want to jump in on that? How are the honorary coaches picked? Uh, they, in honorary coaches meeting, they only sort of had our phone numbers, and each coach was selected bracket. So okay. With that bracket. They sit in the dugout with them. They sit with us at the banquet. At the banquet. Yep. So. Yep. Uh, our honorary coach already came to practice, came to our practice on Wednesday and talked to us, Mark, uh, uh, Mark at uh, the, um, the what eye were doctor. His, what were yeah. his Eagle tips? State. Yeah, yeah. Did he give the guys any tips? No, he just stayed back and we talked about uh, his son. His son uh, goes to Creighton Medical School, so right in the Omaha area. So we, we talked about that a little bit and he was great. Uh, he's looking forward to coming to the banquet here on Thursday. And it's really nice to have a chance to sit down and visit, uh, visit with our honorary coaches. And they do a great job and they're very supportive. And, and if we need anything as coaches, you know, they're, they'll, you know, at the, at the drop of a hat will help us out. So they're, they're pretty awesome. You know, kids camp last night and then you go to elementary schools today. How do you help your guys through maybe some of those distractions? I mean, they're fun distractions. But yes, our guys love the, they had a blast. Like literally we just left the elementary school to come here and it was awesome. It was signing autographs and those kids will forget the names by the time they get home today and they'll only, they probably forgot their names. But for the players, I think sometimes they have more fun than the, than the school kids. Um, makes them feel big time. You know, we're not, we're not signing a lot of autographs at our games or anything like that. So for them to be able to go to school and be a kind of a superhero to these kids, you know, that's a special moment. And, you know, we walked in the classroom, they answered questions. They did uh, educational games with the, with the students. We ate in the cafeteria. I even sat down at the table and had a, had a cafeteria lunch, which I hadn't done in about 30 years. So that was fun. Um, and they went outside and, and uh, took, a, took a picture with the school and the guys loved it. You know, the camp, they loved it. And, um, you know, just being around and seeing the excitement and, to me, that's what this is about, is, is not just the games, but all the festivities that you get to be a part of. And, and they do a great job here in Lewis and are making it a big time event. Thanks for your time, Coach. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. Here with Jeremy Sheetinger, Coach Sheets from Gwinnett. Uh, thanks for jumping on with me. Yeah, for Always sure, Always a man. pleasure. Um, you know, second, third year in a row for you all, mm -hmm. but five, you know, if you discount the COVID year, you yeah. guys, Gwinnett's been here five years in a row, so congrats on being here again. Appreciate it. Very fortunate. Does that ever get old? No, never. No, it's what you wake up for and sign up for every day. <laughs> no, have you adjusted anything with the schedule with you guys being here at all from years past? I mean, there's some distractions with the camp. The camp's sure. great. You're going to the elementary school. Have you adjusted schedule for the guys at all? Yeah, we, we've been, again, when you're fortunate when you come, you sort of get a lay of the land, you know what works, what doesn't work. The key is getting out here as soon as you can, getting adjusted to time change and the climate and the people. And for a lot of this is kind of break through some of that fanfare stuff and get back to, you still got to play baseball. Um, but no, we've actually, man, the last, my first year was learning it. 
last year I think we got it down pretty good. This year everything's rolled according to the minute and we like where we're at and how we go about things. Yeah, that's good. By, by the way, your guys were the best guys at camp yesterday. <laughs> Appreciate that. So the energy that. was phenomenal. I mean, sure. is that a recruiting thing for you? Is that developing that energy when they get to you? Because I, I, it was great. They were great. Yeah, on two fronts. So number one is you got to have the right people for sure. So we were very intentional and diligent about the type of kids we wanted in our program and uh, type of kids that are made for events and moments like that. But also, too, you know, we that's that's part of our program mantra. We're, we're certainly going to show up because it's an event that we're part of, but you got to remember too, there's 500 kids that one day we want to make Georgia Gwinnett fans. So we're looking ahead down the road. The big vision is, you know, 10 years from now, we're playing in a national championship. And we've got more fans than the other team. You got to start with camp. And so our guys just got to show up every day and they did an awesome job. Very what, proud of them. What's strength for you all this year? Uh, man, this is as balanced a team as we've had. You know, it's a one of the top ranked offenses, also one of the top ranked pitching staffs, and we're one of the top ranked defenses. So I've been very uh, proud of the way this group has really come together. I think our biggest piece is our chemistry and our toughness. Um, the baseball stuff aside, you know, there's always some really good teams and really good players, but the chemistry is different with this group. Uh, we've, we've tried to build that from the inside out, but also the toughness, man. We've been tested, a lot of comeback wins, a lot of back against the wall moments and this group's the toughest group I've been around. I think that's probably one of our strong suits. How do you divine toughness? I mean, is it resiliency? Man, resolve, big word we use in our program. I think, you know, anyone can take a, a punch, but it's how do you keep punching back and then eventually find your moment and you have enough, hopefully, vision through that bloody eye and bloody nose to, to throw the punch when you need to. And so a lot of it's IQ. I think when you have a team with perspective and maturity, they see the game differently. They see uh, the ebbs and flows. We talk about momentum a lot. You know, it's the beauty of the, of the ball game. The momentum's always up for grabs. So when you start to recognize that, I think you play a different game than the other team. And so that toughness comes through in a lot of different moments, whether it's flipping the mindset in the middle of a bat or changing the mindset on the mound or sticking your chest in front of a baseball. I think anybody can pick up on it, but when you feel it, I think that's a much different animal because not only do we feel it, but everybody in the ballpark does. Coaches were talking yesterday, guys that have played, you said you have quality left-handed pitchers, especially coming out of the pen, maybe for some mix and match yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we got, I mean, we've been very, again, balanced from offensively and on the mound. There's lefties, righties. Um, we tried to build some, <laughs> one thing we haven't had here the last few years has been balanced in those two regards. Um, so trying to get equal parts of the weapons that we feel like we can use and, and just, I think the, key is trying to use them in the right spots for sure because it seems like teams that do win the national championship it seems like they have quality left-handed arms too yeah it's a piece of the puzzle for sure yeah you definitely gotta have it yeah any turning points for y'all I mean was there anything during the year where it was like okay maybe we're scuffling a little bit or has it been pretty good all year for you um I think like every team we go through a um, there's a mid-season point where um, you you kind of have to put your foot down and make a decision. This is the route we're going to go. Um, luckily, we were doing that during a winning streak, but it just wasn't the type of wins that we were happy with. Um, you know, the offense got off to a, a, a middle point in the year where we were making games pretty easy. And there's a little bit of complacency that sinks in, and we've certainly attacked that. But it was just more of a mindset. I think it was just the middle point of the season. But um, now this group, man, the, the turning point for us was probably in the fall. We had two really pivotal weeks that we were together that started our semester and ended our semester that once again, I think we're dipping into. Some of that, some of that toughness and that resolve come from those two weeks. 
I think you're one of the best we have in the game as far as branding. I mean, you do a phenomenal job with that. How, how long has that been with you? And, and how did that develop for you? Is that something that you just always knew, like, this is important? Or was that something you, you've developed over time <laughs> as a coach? Well, I was, I was actually telling a couple of coaches this. Um, you know, I'm a baseball nerd. Uh, I know you grew up in a baseball family, too. But, man, I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm old Long Beach State and Cal State Fullerton and Wichita State guy. So, like, you know, noticing those logos and paying attention to uniforms. And, of course, this is well before social media. But just noticing that there was a – there was an elemental piece of their program that you could feel, touch, and see when you watched them play. Um, and then, you know, having opportunities to be in programs, my, my, my best three years were at the University of Kentucky and opened my eyes to the logo and the brand and the, uh, the meaning behind that and the ability to connect. Of course, that's when social media really started to take off. And so, yeah, my first head coaching job, I, I flirted with some stuff. Obviously, the time at ABCA was pivotal. Um, but yeah, we're, we're incredibly intentional about how we do things at, at GGC and, um, you know, a lot of it, man, you, you get a chance to pull back the curtain on your program and have access to things that most fans, most players, most especially high school kids or college kids, they don't have access to. And you can tell your story and you control the narrative. And I think that's where some programs miss the mark a little bit is that you have an opportunity to speak in varieties of ways, but we don't always utilize them. So we're just we're trying to be the leaders in the clubhouse on the social media end for sure. How much of that is experimentation and trial and error? Oh, it's all of the above, man. I mean, we do stuff all the time that hey, that worked, and sometimes it didn't work. Um, we but have you have to try it, right? You I mean, have that, to. You got to get out in front of it. Um, but we're also, you know, we we've invested into that space. Um, you have a content team that travels with us, and. I know that's different, and, and I'm sure we get poked at for that, but man, it's, it's important. Um, the videos that we produce and obviously the way our guys feel when you've got a camera following you up to the plate and coming off the mound, and um, you know we're, we're, we use a group called Influencer, so just to help our guys flood their social media, but also make sure we're telling the story on ours. You know, we just, you have to invest, and you gotta make it a priority, and I would say social media strategy to me is up there with bunt defense strategy. It matters. It's part of your program, and it definitely doesn't get shifted to the side for us. Yeah, mine was Ron Frazier in Miami. Sure. In oh yeah. Like, I think he, him and Skip Bertman. I think, Absolutely. Too, and and Ron Polk, but but more of those guys. It seemed like Skip and Ron Frazier were more of the showman yeah. piece. Yeah. You know, Ron Polk was more on kind of the infrastructure piece with sure. how to run a program. I think those two guys were more of the showman. Piece. Absolutely. No uh, doubt. Is tremendous. Have you adjusted your quiet time with the guys? I mean, you and I are kindred spirits with that as far as sure. giving your guys quiet time. Have, has that developed or is it pretty standard from when you started from a quiet time piece? 20 minutes a day, every day, yep. every single day. Um, we, just, we just got done with our session in the middle of campus. Um, I came over yesterday to make sure that the bell tower in the middle of campus hadn't changed uh, and it hasn't in three years. It's uh, two minutes and 20 seconds past Greenwich Mean Time. The reason that matters is I set my clocks around that 20 minute session so that when I finish my last word, the bell goes off. And it's just, it's using the environment uh, to make sure that we stay consistent in our routine. So, you know, the, the second that we got here, our first practice, guys couldn't wait. And sometimes we do extended sessions. It's like post trip, we did a 30 minute session. But once we get back into routine, it's 20 minutes a day. Um, our guys would do that. 
before they would ever take BP. And it's just the, the environment we tried to create for them. I mean, I was up for 20 straight hours yesterday, so I did two sessions yesterday. There you go. When I yeah. got here off the flight, you know, I had done my early morning session. Sure. I had to get up at 3 a.m. To, to get my morning <clears> session <throat> in. But I went, as soon as I got off the flight and I got to the hotel, I did my second session. And if I'm tired, I'll do that. Yeah. I've added a Kundalini yoga in now too. It's called Breath of Fire. Uh, anybody listening in, if you want to be tested mentally from an ego standpoint, sure. at the fire, look up Kundalini Yoga. Your brain will be screaming at you to stop. It's like an <laughs> sure. ego, fl- ego melter, and I, I actually cry after some of those sessions. That's awesome. So That's I'm cool. still trying to learn things, too. Sure. What are your next steps for the NII? I mean, you guys have done a great job. It's grown. I think it's grown with us sure. as the ABCA has grown, and sure. you're a huge part of the reason why that's grown. I think the NAI has grown as well. I think we've kind of mirrored each other from a sure. growth standpoint. Yeah. What do you feel like the next steps for NAI are? Well, just like any um, you know growth organization, and and then you see that that peak starting to happen, is now you have to build consistency. And you know I think we've been extremely fortunate over the last probably seven eight years uh, to get consistent membership out of the NAI head coaches and certainly the assistant coaches. I love when you know, we go to convention and those meetings are full and it's a lot of young assistant coaches. And I think one thing we're very intentional about is certainly opening our doors and our program to get young coaches involved. But it's when we're in those moments, we as a staff, we try to connect with all those young dudes, make sure they know they're part of something bigger than themselves. Um, you know, I, I started in the NAI, so I'm obviously, you know, a, a bias when I say this, but man, I just think this level's so unique. and. When, when a guy gets involved, we try to make sure we connect and, and give that dude time. A lot of DMs, um, had a lot of really good phone calls and text messages this season with some, with some guys, but um, consistency is the biggest piece. Same thing with our program, you know, coming here is great, but you gotta do it consistently. You gotta do it over a long period of time. And um, I think it's the same way when you're building something great, you have to be good every single day. And certainly the, the connection between NAI and ABCA has been really good. What does the term it takes what it takes mean to you? Man, I, I know I got some buddies that, that cringe when they hear that. I, I love it because it does. It takes what it takes. <laughs> I think when, um, you know, so, if you could boil that down, I think some people try to find what's the secret sauce? What's the, what's the pill? If I take this pill, I'll have all the answers. And I, But when you step back and you look at anything, whether it's trying to accomplish a goal or I'm trying to build a social media following or I'm trying to do this or trying to do that, it does, there is a, a success leaves clues, it does take what it takes. And I think when um, you can kind of get out of maybe the, the nomenclature of it or the, the verbiage of it and you just recognize, no, that's pretty real in everything we do. It does take what it takes. And um, you know, I, I like that uh, you know, we talk about in our program these steps along the way, but there's sacrifice that's required. There's these changes we have to make. There's a mentality and an attitude. There's a focus, there's a discipline, there's an accountability. There's it takes what it takes to get to where you're trying to go. And certainly for us to end up being one of the 10 teams here, it does. It, it takes a lot of different things, luck and preparation, you know, go hand in hand, but it, it, it certainly falls a, as, a, as a cliff notes. You need to follow this path if you're trying it's to do lifestyle. what you're trying to do. Yeah, no, no that, doubt. That, that, I love that term. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Like this is, when you're gonna sign up for this, it's now a lifestyle sure. that you have, to, you have to take that lifestyle. Sorry, Sure. Like, it takes what it takes. It does, no doubt, no Thanks doubt. Thanks for your time, Coach. Yeah, I appreciate it, thank you. Right here with Brad Shelton, University of Cumberlands. I mean, it's been a while, 28th season, correct? 28, right. Congrats on 1,000 wins. Yeah, thank you. Huge thank milestone. You. Um, yeah. Most of us don't get to that point, so congrats. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's 
it's been a lot of fun. You know, been some good players and great coaches along the way. So it's been a blessing. Do you ever get tired of my accidental Brad Shelton text to you? I have too many Brad Sheltons in my <laughs> no. context. So I'm no, sorry. it's no problem there. I, I think there's public, a. I want to publicly apologize. Yeah, to no you. problem. I, I think there are a couple of umpires that are named Brad Shelton, and I get some interesting texts sometimes about uh, to those guys. You know, so no, it's no problem. So. You took a seven-win program when you got to Cumberlands, mm -hmm. and then I looked last night. You had 34 games in your first, 34 wins in your first yeah. season. How did that happen? It was just a special group, you know. Um, it had been a strong program before I got there. They just had fallen on tough times the last two or three years. So the reputation was still good within our state. So we had a lot of returning guys that were hungry. I inherited uh, probably the best catcher in our conference. Uh, and we just kind of built around him with uh, some guys that came with me from junior college. And we signed some pretty good transfers that first year. And it was, it was a huge turnaround. I was proud of you know, how well those guys played coming off such a tough year the year before. Does it make it easier because now it's like, hey, you guys won seven games last year. You probably need to listen to what I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I think there was there was buy-in right away, but I also think that they loved and respected the coach that I replaced so much that we never went negative on what had happened before. And I think we did it um, for each other and we did it for him and, and for the program. So we really um, didn't talk a lot about you know the past, but we still wanted to honor those the alumni and the people that were in the program before that. Is this your first trip to the World Series? It is, yes. Oh, we've nice. made it to the last day, I think, five times. Um, in the old region or regional format, we always seem to run into Lee University, uh, Cumberland University. You know, we always um, had a tough draw in that in that region. With the new format since 2009, um, you know, it's, it's a much better format, and you have a little bit better chance to get away from some of those Southeast teams. And uh, we've been right there, but this year to get over the hump was great. Last year we made it to the finals, uh, for the if necessary game with Tennessee Wesleyan and just, just came up short. So it was big for these guys to be able to finally make it. And you coaches have been fighting for this for a long time, haven't you, with the NAI format to get it switched to where it, you're trying to get the best teams right. here, correct? For sure, and I think 2009 is when it when it changed, and it's really made a, put a much better product on the field at, at the World Series. The opening rounds have been great, so and we participate in those opening rounds, you know, every year since uh, 2017, and just come up short a few times. But it's been a blessing to be able to do it with this group of guys for sure. What's the strength of your team this year? You know, a lot of people would say it's our power. We've hit a bunch of home runs, um, but I think that kind of overshadows the depth of our pitching. We, um, you know, we've got a really deep bullpen and got guys that can come in and match up situations and do a good job. So I think that's kind of overshadowed what our pitching's been able to do. Coach Poe's done a great job with our pitching staff. Uh, and then Coach Martin for the last several years has really put together a really good offense. So, but people would say probably our, our, the power in our lineup. You know, our, our eight hole has 18 home runs, our nine hole has 15. So we, we don't have a lot of a lot of outs in the lineup. So. Is that exciting coming here because the ball flies a little bit? It it's is, be you know, exciting, right? Yeah, you know, the dimensions are very similar to our park, so I think the park is built for a team like ours. And I think for anybody in NAI, you realize at the end of the year, everybody's pitchers are kind of beat up and worn down, and, and hitters are really hitting their stride. So you have to be able to out hit some teams at times for sure. I mean, knowing that, do you adjust the workload for your pitching staff later in the year, knowing that they're probably going to be a little bit more worn out? Yeah, I think we, our Coach Poe did a really good job with that. We don't have a, we don't have guys in the 80s and 90s in innings pitch. Most of those guys are, you know, 50s, you know, low 60s in innings pitch. And then our bullpen has gotten a lot of work. We've got several guys in the 20s. So I think we're well rested and, and prepared for it. And we just have some depth and being able to do that, you know, throughout the year to try to save, save guys, uh, keep those bullets. So. Andy Lopez talked about that on the podcast during COVID. Um, the year they won, Arizona won the national championship, he did it with like four guys. They didn't even throw bullpens during the week. Right. <laughs> just, yeah. No, no in-between starts throws. Mm -hmm. They just 
we're trying to save their bullets that time of the year. Yeah, for sure. We have a couple of guys. We've we've really taken it easy, you know, the last few weeks in in the midweek stuff and preparation and. A lot more uh, defensive work, PFPs and things like that. Not as much uh, workload in terms of bullpens and, and, and pitch counts, those kind of things. So. Any turning points for you in the season? You know, I think this team has really been focused the whole year. Um, last year we had a turning point where we just weren't playing well together. And we had a, had a meeting about midway through the season. And, and that group really, uh, it was like a switch went off for those guys. And, and all of those guys are back. So we just kind of carried from, on from where we were last year at the end. It was, it was heartbreaking to lose to Tennessee Wesleyan in that championship game of the open round in, in Kingsport. Uh, but it motivated them. They had really good summers and uh, came back in the fall. And they've, they've really been focused you know, since really last May. So it's, it's been a neat experience to be with these guys. In this tournament format, similar to Enid, are you better off being a lower seed, playing the first day, and then you get a bye? I mean, you can bring your one back quicker right. than the one or two seed. Is that a benefit? Yeah, I think. You know, I think just looking at at the tournament field, it's very evenly matched. So um, you like the chance to, if you can win that first game, you're not playing until Monday. So. Um, but you got to, you know, advice I've been getting from most of the coaches that have been here, you got to win the first one. And uh, so that's, it's a big game to play that, that first game and, and try to get a win. And it's not going to be easy facing Westmont, one of the best pitchers in the country, that's for sure. Did you plan on staying at Cumberland's this long? Yeah, you know, it's home. Um, our house is right across the field, uh, across the street from the field, and our boys have grown up there. Um, our whole family's made the trip, and it's, after coaching in junior college and some of my friends in Division One, um, just kind of hearing their experiences of being on the road so much and away from their families, I just really decided that I wanted to build a program at Cumberland's and, and stay there. And the administration, the faculty, the staff, it, it's an amazing place. I mean, it's very supportive and uh, we love it there. And yeah, that's, that's really all I've ever wanted to do since we got there, for sure. Does it help that you're director of outdoor athletics? Outdoor facilities? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm pretty particular about the grass and how people take care of it. But, uh, you know, I, it's, it's nice to have a voice in some of the meetings about what needs to be done to our facilities for sure. But our, our president and athletic director is so supportive of all of our sports. I mean, we have this we have this hashtag one big team that's kind of grown in the last several years and we're just super supportive of each other. You know, I've been texting our softball coach this morning. They're in the World Series in Columbus, Georgia. So. Um, it's a it's a special place for sure. How often do you all meet as a staff, like an athletic department? Uh, we we have weekly uh, Monday thoughts from our our athletic director. He's not big on meetings, but uh, you know we have a we have a lot of off the field, off the court things. We play uh, faculty softball or staff tournaments in the summer, or a lot of little cookouts and things at, uh, at different coaches' house. So it's a really tight knit group of coaches, you know, at our university for sure. What have been some of your favorite Monday thoughts? Huh. That's a great question. Uh, you know, Coach Craftick is really good about posting all the successes of our teams from the previous week, and I really like to, you know, to see those and uh, the encouragement that he puts on there. And every Monday we have a devotional that he puts on there from our from our campus minister, our, our, that ministers student athletes. So it's just. Um, I love the fact that he values the time of all of his coaches and we don't have a lot of face-to-face -face meetings and he just he's constantly sending us texts and emails just you know encouraging us and reminding us so probably just the fact that it's just so encouraging every Monday to to look at what the, the successes of our athletic teams the week before and the schedule ahead just kind of keeping up with everybody I think is what's most impressive to me. Is that a common theme with a lot of the NAI schools where they are more faith-based schools? You know, at least in our part part of the country, it probably is with um, you know being in the Bible Belt. We were originally a Baptist school. We are still a Christian school with Christian values. Um, servant leadership is really important 
to our athletic department, and I think that's why we fit so well with the NAI for sure. I think that's a baseball culture thing too, though. It's, yeah. It seems like baseball is a service culture. If you're going to make it as a coach or a player in baseball, it just seems like you're going to gravitate towards service. Right, for sure. And I think just baseball players and baseball coaches are built differently. They, they're they used to having to put in some of the blue collar work, raking the field and, you know, doing the things, cleaning up the dugout, things that a lot of, a lot of sports they just don't have to do, you know. So it's for sure, I think we, we try to pick each other up. And uh, so it's just natural for us to try to help other people. How do you handle your field assignments for your team? So we, everyone has a small job to do every day after practice um, or after games. We have pre-practice, post-practice. And then every few weeks we have what we call investment opportunity days and they're buying stock in the field. So we have things that they do around the field to make sure that it looks nice. So we're really proud of our facility and it's because of the work that those guys put in. So those days, do they get anything out of that? Those days where they can work a little bit extra? You know, I think that it, it they're little tedious jobs at times, but I think it makes them appreciate their facility more and it also makes them angry when teams try to come and win on their field. So they take a lot of pride in that and they don't want to lose at home. And I think it's really been a benefit to our team. It builds character and, and unity and it's been a good thing for us to, to do that. Creating future coaches too. Like yeah. that, that's what I always felt. I'm like, I, I know not all of my players are going to be co future coaches, but the ones that I have that are out, they appreciate the fact that they had to work on the field because now they right. can do it for their yeah. job. And, you know, I had a call last week from a former player. He was asking about something to do in his yard. You know, he's not even a coach. And uh, so, you know, they, there's some value in being able to take care, take care of an athletic field for sure. How's NAIA grown in your time? Oh, wow. You know, 2004, we had a transfer from Arizona State. His name was J.J. Jackson. Um, he was a Gatorade player of the year in Arizona out of high school and didn't pitch a lot at Arizona State. So we got him and he was really good. And I remember you know, he was 88 to 90 on the gun. And it was a talk of our conference, you know, to have a guy that throws 90. You know, now everybody on our, in our conference has guys that throw 90. And uh, so I think the pitching depth and, and the velocity especially has increased. But man, there were some really good teams back then too. You know, Cumberland University and Lambeth and, and some of those teams, um, Man, it took some, I took some beatings as a young head coach from some, some legendary coaches like Woody Hunt and Wayne Allberry, Buford Sanders, Bart Osborne at Union College. Like I learned so much competing against some legends in a game that I don't know that, it's just different now, I would say. More velocity, uh, there's a lot more short game, push drag. Uh, it seems to be a little more um, power oriented, at least in our conference. So it's changed for sure. I, I wouldn't say that that it's better or worse, but it's different for sure. I mean, what does it mean to come here where Ed Sheff was the coach here forever? Right. He's no longer with us, but what does it right. mean to come to Lewiston, come to Lewiston-Clark, and, and you're around, you know, obviously Coach Sheff did everything for NAI baseball. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, when I was in college, I, I would go straight to the library to read Collegiate Baseball magazine. Me too. You know? Those are my favorite yeah. articles, for yeah. the Coach Steph articles. <laughs> and nobody, you know, nobody really on my team even knew what that was, you know. And I just remember loving college baseball so much back then, you know. And then as I got into coaching with, with Skip Bertman and, and reading about, you know, Jim Schwanke was the hitting coach and the blast, blast system blast, and all yeah. that stuff. Like, I've just always gravitated to college baseball. So I've known about those legends like Coach Chef and, and Denny Crayball. And, and to be able to be in the same room with Denny and Woody and some of those guys at, at ABCA is, uh, was just humbling, you know, to be able to just sit back and listen to the things that they talked about. And I'm very appreciative to be here because there's some 
really good coaches that haven't had the opportunity to be here yet. They just, um, you know, All for whatever. All ABCA members as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, like Wayne Albury, he's been at, a legend. He's been at Lambeth University and Rio Grande, and he's been so close at times to get into the World Series, and I talked to him a lot. And um, I just know it's, it's a blessing to be here because it doesn't define me as a coach to get the coach in the World Series because I know there are so many better coaches than me that haven't had this opportunity. This is all credit to our players and the, the support that we get from our administration to be able to do this. So, Thanks for your time, Coach. Thank you. All right, here with Adrian Dinkle, Southeastern, seventh season, also defending national champs. So, Coach, thanks for jumping on with me. I appreciate you having me, bro. Always uh, enjoyed our talk last summer. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's good. Do you ever take this for granted? No, I don't think so. I think sometimes we were talking about there were some of the coaches, sometimes you feel like it's Groundhog's Day. But I, I think that uh, the opportunity to get to do this is you got to check yourself and you know, understand that we're very lucky to come up here and do this because a lot of people wish they can do it and we're thankful we get to. Yeah. Is this team much different than last year's team? Yeah, completely different group. Right? It's, they're two, two different groups. So different personality, different makeup, um, obviously still, still the same goal, but a different group. Is the regular season harder for you guys than the postseason at times? They're different stories, man. So I wouldn't say that. I think that the, the grind out, you understand what you have to do. I think the postseason is you, you better make sure it's right for that, for that time frame and that, that, that expectation of what you're doing. But they're all different stories. Is 1,100 OPS as a team good offensively? I hope so. <laughs> if that's what we're at, I have no idea. I don't check stats. But I yeah, do. do. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. We'll take it. I mean, is that play for you guys coming here? It seems like there's some offensive teams here. So, I mean, is that play for you guys in this ballpark? You hope so, right? But all that could change with whoever, whatever team has on the mound and what you do that day. But I, I think that anytime you have guys that, you know, you feel like can get on base and compete, you feel like you have a chance. And we talked a little bit about the bracket yesterday. And obviously you guys waiting a day and then somebody might play and right. then get a day off. I mean, how do you, or do you even worry about that? You can't. I mean, I think that you, you can. It's not the time to worry about it. I think that there's, it's a tough bracket where you got three brackets and one bracket. And you know, you prefer, I think most coaches will tell you they'd prefer to be in the three through six game. Um, but at the end of the day, you're, you're in the seed that you're in and you're in the spot that you're in. Go win the games that you play. How do you handle it with your new guys? I mean, your history and tradition here is tremendous. How do you handle that with your new guys coming in where they just maybe think they can just roll the balls out there and we're going to win games? Well, well, we don't let them do that. I think people don't understand that's not the way we practice and that's not who we are. Um, people think it's easy getting here as much as we've been here. We practice a ton and we do a lot of things that we feel like are different than a lot of other programs. And we don't, we don't let them think about last year. Or what it's, and this is a new group every year, a new expectation, right? And so we don't allow them to think we can roll the balls out. That's just, that's not how we do it. Every year's culture is different. Every team is different. So we kind of focus on the task at hand every year and, and understand that's what we're about. Okay. Any turning points this year for you guys? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's so many turning points. You can't, you can't focus on one, right? You've had a lot of guys that were ups and downs. You've had some guys that were good on the mound, some, some guys that had, you know, did bad on the mound that turned back around and did well. So I wouldn't call it there was any, any breaking moment. I think any time that you have the success that we've had this year, you know, thankfully, I think you just got to attribute it to had really good players that have bought into what we're about. And so I think they've just kind of held that line all year. You know, when you do have a player that's starting to struggle, how do you nurse them back to get them back going? That's player-led. I mean, really, at the end of the day, I think our goal is to make sure that that's player-led. We can bring them in there, and we're not a coddling coaching staff. I don't coddle people very well, but I think that's player-led, getting those guys on there. And I think those players also understand that we trust them. 
and, and how we're doing it and what we're doing it and the way that we're doing it. But I think our, our players and our leaders have done a good job making sure that if the guys fall out, they get back in. You know, looking at your guys walking around yesterday, you're extremely physical. Yep. I mean, is that weight room? Is that recruiting older guys? Is it a combination it's, of both? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to recruit guys that we feel like are physical, that we can continue to make physical. The weight room is a huge part of our program. Um, you, don't get to, you don't get to come to our place without eating the weight room. You know, if, if you don't eat the weight room at our place, you're going to fall behind. Those guys are going to let you hear it. So, I mean, our expectation is to be physical, be strong. Uh, that's our goal. But we also recruit that way as well. I mean, we'll recruit you outside of there every once in a while, but for the most part, you've you, you got to be strong. You better be able to hit that weight room. So what is the schedule for you guys? So when they get there in the fall from a lifting standpoint, I mean, what are you guys doing as soon as they get there? Is it four days a week? Is it three days a we're week? We're four out the gate, yep. yep. So we're four out the gate, and, and I don't have the uh, 6 o'clock in the morning weights. Uh, I'm not, not that guy, right? Uh, I don't believe in that. I'd rather have you awake. So we have three different time slots that works out around their class schedule, their indie schedule, and their study hall schedule, and they're in there, and they're in there with us, and our strength conditioning guy. And our guys are, you know, the mandatory at the four, but they, they turn it into five or six on their own because that's the expectation, right? We I was a six-day-a-week guy, I loved it. Yeah, I would love to get our guys, but we, you know, with schedules and personal life, we have the four, but those guys do an unbelievable job getting in there, you know, twice a day, a lot of them do. Yeah, so, then does that kick back springtime, or you still try to get them We're in at there? three in the spring. Um, we're at three in the spring, unless you know you're starting pitcher, you're in there the next day with our guy. Guys have individual schedules, three mandatory, and then other guys we set out, but most of our guys still end up in that four or five. It's just so hard to make it mandatory past three in the spring, but you're going to be in there three. Starting pitchers are always going to be four. So, Do you adjust for the schedule then, workload, as the season goes on, as you get into this time? You guys have been going for a long time, so you've been going since January. Do you adjust the volume or the workload much your, Yeah, your workload changes weekly. Um, it's always an adjustability standpoint. We're not just set on the, we have an umbrella and a pyramid of what we want to do, but inside of that thing, it's ever changing. There's always, you know, fluidity of how this guy's going to be in the weight room, what works best for him. Is he single legs? Is he less? It's the same thing with your throwing and your workload on there. That all changes on your workload, right? We have an umbrella of what we expectation is, but inside that expectation, it's all going to change on where we see that we can have you at peak performance by the end of the week. You've won at every place you've been at. Have your core beliefs stayed the same? Have you adjusted much with your core beliefs? I mean, the core beliefs are still the same. I mean, our expectation is still the same anywhere I've ever been. Inside of there's been a lot of other changes, right? The growth, the, you know, some of the, some of the other things that we're doing, but you know, our, our, our main things, are, they're not gonna change. That's just, I think that's who I am and who our coaching staff is, is kind of the, what we're gonna expect to do, but along the lines, there's things that do change. Yeah. 35-man roster, is that by design? This year? Yeah. We have a lot of kids in the program, but yeah, but 35 is by design. We want to be smaller. Um, we want to have a little bit less guys so we can focus on those guys' individuality this year. Uh, and it's, it's just much easier to get the most out of those guys. They, they feel like they're, they're able to be in there. I think that you get in those programs where there's too many guys. It's just hard to deal with, man. I don't want to deal with that many kids. I want to be able to focus on the guys that we know or are there for the right reason. And, and you also got to flip it on the player side, man. If you're player 40 and we're not paying any attention to you, that's not fun for you. And you know, we're giving you a bad experience. And my goal is I don't want a transactional relationship with any of our players. And so I think the, the least kids that we have, the better relationship that we can have, you know, and because we have goals and expectations, not only in our program, but also at our institution, being a Christian institution. And right, it's a heck of a lot easier to dive into their lives and who they are with 35 than 55. As far as traveling, how are you handling workouts for them when you're traveling on the road? 
you hopefully you get a hotel right well we're very fortunate first to not travel a ton the fact that where we're located where we're located but when we do obviously those workouts we're going to have in the, in the in the weight room now we'll say this we have some grown men on this team that are going to go handle it on their own uh, on the road so they, they do a really good job with that so it's been it's been great for those guys to do that but they, they do a good job on the road yeah. so yeah i mean how nice is that you've got older guys where i don't really have to worry about them getting their work in it's great i think that's why you recruit the way we recruit yeah. obviously you want guys that are going to buy into your program and, and your expectations and you're going to develop them but you can also do that with older kids as well and why they do it you have the expectation of being great and being an adult, right? I'm gonna treat you as an adult. You come into our program until I can't treat you as an adult anymore. So we have that expectation of, I'm gonna treat you like you're, you're a grown man. And, and those guys have done a good job making sure that's the way it is. Is it a benefit getting some kickback guys? Cause they can tell your guys that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You have those guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah you have those guys, man. You have those guys that have been in the SCC. You have those guys that have been in the ACC. You have those guys and they'll say, man, it ain't what you think. We have a few guys on our team that are like, man, I'm much happier here than I ever was in my division one. So. Um, you obviously have the and, other and that's side of a that. warning sign to parents and players out there right now too because the transfer portal yeah. is a huge thing by the way 38 percent of those kids may not get out of the transfer portal too so right. if you're at a place that you're happy and you're getting to compete and play might be better off staying there yeah i mean i think at the end of the day it's just find out where you're happy where you can compete and get seen i mean you're going to get seen you get seen plenty in our program we, we don't lack people showing up to our practices or showing up to our games and i think that they realize oh man i can go there and get as much love as i did you know, at the school up the road, the division one. And so, and I can go have a chance to compete and win a national title and, and feel valued at the same time. Yeah. Thanks for your time, coach. All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. All right, here with Ryan Thompson, Mid-American Nazarene since 2007. Uh, but congrats. Thank you. Being here. It's awesome. When you took the program over, is this what you kind of envisioned for the program? Boy, I don't know. You hope that that's what's going to happen. I mean, you just want to continually improve the program. And I think when I took over, uh, the expectations were to come in and start recruiting and start building and just create um, a winning tradition. I think that's what most coaches want to do and are setting out to do. We feel really blessed to be at this point. It takes a lot of commitment, not only from the university, but athletic department, our, my AD, and it's, it's to get to this point, it just takes a lot of sacrifice from a lot of young men along the way. You never get here and think about just this group. You think about all the guys that went before you. So. Did you, did you have a checklist? I mean, when you first took over the program, it was like, okay, because it might be some baby steps. Was sure. it like, okay, I checked that off. I know we're going in the right direction. What did you use to kind of know that, okay, we are moving in the right direction? Right. I think first you want to qualify for your conference tournament postseason. I remember the first time we were able to do that. It's a big step, felt like this, you know, oh wow, major milestone. Then you wanna, you know, win the conference and you wanna make it to an opening round and then you get to an opening round, you're like, well, let's, let's keep working and maybe we can win one of these. And then we're at that point now. So yeah, I think so. What'd you learn in your time from Air Force? Oh, a lot, that was a great experience. Um, I think I first saw how much young men who are disciplined with talent can overachieve in the sense that, not that they're just gonna maximize what they have. And I think I, I learned a, a valuable lesson. We always talk about character and talent, and it's a combo deal. And when you get young men like that, they, they, they maximize everything they got. And so I definitely learned that. What is it about a service academy kid? I mean, they're, they're going to have some discipline, correct? They, I mean, yeah. they don't get there if they don't have discipline. 100%. I mean, high academic kids, they don't compartmentalize. They're not good in one area. They're good in all. And they're under such pressure day to day. And, 
um, you just see them, just see how they, excellence in every phase of their life. So uh, yeah, it was a great learning experience for me as a coach. You won a, a championship already, NCCAA championship at Bethel, correct? Yes, long time ago. Yes, we did. Was Adrian with you? Were you with Adrian? No, I, no, I was not. No, it was with uh, Mike Hutchin. Uh, was was there at that time? And uh, but yeah, we did. I mean, what is the key to winning this time of year? I think really understanding you you, you can't try to do more. You have to be yourself. Um, you, the haze in the barn, so to speak. Uh, we are who we are, and we got to relax and play to our abilities and our strengths, and every team's gonna have strengths and weaknesses, and you can't try to panic and cover those up. You have to just be who you are, relaxed, confident, and do the same thing you've been doing. I think that's really the key. Do you adjust workload this time of year? You've played a long season. Do you adjust their workload much for the postseason? Yeah, we do. I really start tapering practices down in April. Uh, when academics are piling up, postseason's coming, we start to taper a little bit. and A lot of conversations with the players, how we feel and what's going on, what's your schedule like, and then we just continue to adjust. And uh, this is the fun time. You get in a very, a very consistent routine, and, and yeah, we, we do. We start to taper back. What about for the odd start time? I mean, it's time change. We're on West Coast. You're playing 8.35 in the morning tomorrow. Yeah. So did you adjust anything with their schedule to get ready for the time change? Well, we've just been trying to, to minimize a lot of the extras right now and let them get rested up, recovered. The travel out here can wear you out. And so we've really tried to be aware of how much we're asking from them. Uh, but we did it last year, same thing. So I think that first game, you got a lot of adrenaline, so you can kind of overcome it. But uh, it's all about managing your rest and, and so you can perform at a high level. Did they enjoy camp yesterday? Oh yeah, they, they loved it. There was a big crowd and, and uh, they did a great job. They were excited about it. But that's also a distraction too. Like, you know, I think any sort of our national championships that you go to, there's a lot going on. There might be a parade, there might be a kids clinic. You know, how do you keep them kind of centered in on like, hey, we're here to, to play, mm -hmm. let's enjoy it, but we're also here to win games too. Yeah, I think we just, you know, just try to continue to, we split up the responsibilities. So certain guys have certain responsibilities and this is your job and, and uh, but we just try to just treat it like we would a national tournament, conference tournament. So at this point, we've been in postseason for a month. So we've had these kind of routines and, um, you know, just trying to keep it very normal to what we, we typically do when we were in Springfield, Missouri at the conference tournament. So try to keep it just normal like we would any other time, any other game. What's the strength of your team this year? I think our pitching depth's good. Um, I think we have some good returning leadership um, from an offensive standpoint. We've got, you know, five guys that were on starters last year. Um, I, I think that's, those are the two that come to mind right away. Did you have a turning point this season? Um, you know, we started really slow. I think we were one and eight, two and nine to start. And we got, we got much better in the middle part of the season. And then we lost seven in a row, including the first game of the conference tournament. And we were backed in a corner and we started winning elimination games. And you know, you, it's not how you draw it up, but you winning those elimination games can actually create some serious momentum because you're, you're, you're dealing with pressure and season's over if we mess up. and. I think we just kind of rode that momentum right on into the opening round. So I think that was the turning point once we started moving through the conference tournament losers bracket. How are you able to stay patient early in the year? You know, one and eight, one and nine, you know, how are you able to stay patient? Cause you know, you're a Northern team, you're gonna play yeah. a good schedule early. You might get kicked a little bit, but it's okay. You're gonna head back home and. Right, right. Well, I don't really talk much about wins and losses. I talk a lot about 
who we are and, and us getting better, and we're still talking about that today. We want to see continual improvement from start to finish. Um, so we just focus a lot on the process and just, hey, let's, what can we do? Are we getting better? Um, what can each area do? And understand it's a long season and we want to be peaking at the end. And uh, fortunately we were doing that. We were playing better down the stretch. And, uh, but we just don't, I don't really talk much about that. Just really what we can control and just keep getting better. How do you handle the individual piece with the player knowing that, okay, this is what you need to work on to get better, as opposed to the team as a whole, mm -hmm. how are you helping them focus on what they need to work on individually? Yeah, I think a lot of communication, meetings, uh, coaching staff, talking about what each guy needs to do, and if it's a pitching issue, a lot of times my pitching coach will have those conversations, hey, here's some things we need you to do. Offensive coach, here's some things we need to have you do with your at-bats. Uh, are there any lineup changes we can make to lengthen our lineup, to improve what we're doing, and just it's a, a continual conversation from the beginning of the year to the end of what tweaks or things or um, you know we have individual hitting and individual pitching work and in those times that's where we're making those little adjustments and as that guy gets better I get better and we all get better together when each individual improves so that's really our focus. Do you like your teaching duties? Well, I don't have, I mean, at MNU, and yeah. I, I don't have any um, outside, I'll do an adjunct baseball coaching class, uh, which is fun. It's fun to interact with other students on campus, so I do enjoy that and get to meet other, other athletes and hear about what they do, so it's fun, and it's, it's baseball, it's what I already know, so it's not a lot of prep work, but um, I do enjoy that. Do you have an exercise science background? No, I, I have a business background, okay. it was my, was my major. Okay, how does that equate to now what you do? I mean, you are basically running, a, you're the CEO of the program. Does that equate well yeah, in the business background? Yeah, I think business leadership, I think that's what this job is. From a leadership standpoint, you're trying to identify strengths, weaknesses, you're dealing with people. It's really a people business, and if you need to make sure that you're connecting with them, and, and um, so it's really, a, it's that leadership business background that helps me as I navigate uh, my team and just you know, figuring out how to, how to get these guys to move forward and how to lead them well. Do you have any leadership or management books that you like? My, my favorite was Good to Great. It was the first one I read when I took over this program. And Collins is awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought that helped me a lot. Um, Every Moment Matters is my, my favorite book right now with just coaching standpoint. I recommend that to any coaches because of just, it's even helped me last year and this year just to continually read it. and. And, uh, but those are two that come to mind. What does champions of character mean to you? Well, I think, you know, to win a championship, it's about doing it the right way. And we want to do it in a way that, you know, um, as, as a Christian university, honors the Lord. We want to do it r the right way that um, a lot of people win championships, but I think there's a, there's a right way to go about it. We want to do that. We want to, um, you know, just honor him and how we are, go about doing that. Do you feel like you've been able to sustain the program doing it that way? I do, I do, because um, absolutely, I think we're just about building these young men, serving them, what can we do to help them, and it's not about me, it's not about my coaches, it's just about us helping them reach their full potential, and, you're, and just keeping that focus throughout has been helped us, I think, sustain success, because every team's different. Some have this potential, some don't, but my responsibility is the same. I gotta go help them maximize what they got. And if that's 20 wins, it's 20 wins. If it's 30, it's 30. If it's a postseason run, it's a postseason run. But how can we make it a great experience? And this team this year is the only thing we really think about. And how can we make them better? 
Yeah, The Servant's one of my favorite books. Has it always been about service for you? It has. I think it's exactly just focused on them and, and what we can do for them. And I think it frees you to not think about yourself and, and just more them. And, and uh, you, you know, when we have the opportunity to dogpile at the end of a national tournament, that's what it's about, just watching them and they enjoy it. That's where the joy comes from me, is seeing their, their, their happiness and excitement for what they've accomplished. You're in a great area for high school and junior college baseball. We are. I mean, how, many, how many of your kids are from Kansas? We get, yeah, we, we, we have guys from all over, but we do have some local kids. We do have a lot of junior colleges, a lot of high school guys, um, but we also go outside of that, California, different places all over. We'll, we'll go wherever we can to find skills and talent. Um, there's a lot of schools in Kansas City, which means a lot of recruiting them as well. But um, it is a great area for baseball. We hope to continue to get more. What's it say about the ABCA that all 10 head coaches here are ABCA members? Well, I think it's just a great place to learn and grow as a coach. And I think the ABCA does such a good job of equipping us. And even in the last probably 10 years, helping us see behind the scenes and see what other coaches are doing. And it's just really helped young coaches develop and grow and and i think the abca does a great job of that i mean the nai has grown immensely along with us we've grown but the nai has grown too so i mean what would you like to see going forward here for the nai well i think it's right on the right trajectory i think we're getting the notoriety i think people are recognizing that we have a really quality product and i think this world series is just a great great experience for our players um and so I think just to continue on this trend and continue to bring the recognition to what we're doing and seeing that we have quality schools, coaches, players, and, and to top it off, this World Series is just a great experience. Thanks for your time, Coach. Thank you. All right, here with Jake Taylor, Lewis Clark State since 2019, but was a player here as well. So yep. thanks for jumping on with me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. 1992 national championship team so have you relayed anything about your experience as a player to the players now or do they even care anymore you know they they care i mean guys come here they they want to know the history of it and everything and, and we talk about it coach Ballmer, he, he wants some here too so it's kind of a, a neat deal that uh, there's a lot of it and coach balderas also um played in different eras here so yeah you just always kind of keep things going on down the line Reminds me of Eastern Connecticut State a little bit. Same thing there. They've had a ton of Division Three national championships, sure. but they—it's uh, a lot of former players yeah. there. Is, is that by design for you all? It's—we uh, we only have one coach that that wasn't a part of the, uh, the program, and he's he's been an integral member for us the last couple of years. He's fantastic, but. Uh, it is neat to get guys that played here and uh, continue to coach here. They love the place. Does it also help too to get somebody from outside the program, yeah, maybe yeah. bring a different perspective For into sure. it? For sure, yeah. Um, coach Vial has been, been fantastic. We picked him up last year yeah. and uh, he's helped our pitching, helped our program overall. He did works with our catchers also, he's fantastic. So yeah, I mean, definitely it gets, uh, it's nice to add a little, little outside influence. You all played for the national championship last year, correct? We did, yep. we did. Yep. Did you take anything from last year into this year? Uh, not so much. I mean, we had an entire, we, this year we have an entirely different team. So we graduated so many guys, our top two, three arms. Um, I think we only returned two position players off that team. So we knew we had some, some work cut out for us on the recruiting trail. But uh, yeah, I mean, we started off great and then, um, you know, kind of hit a lull midseason and then just uh, started figuring things out the last couple of weeks again. So um, we're, we're in a good spot. Take the program over in 19 and then COVID hits. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it was tough. How'd you yeah. deal with it? 
Yeah, well, I mean, we picked up and moved our family, and my wife had to have, find a new job also, and our kids all enrolled in new schools, and then that happens, and uh, we did a lot of sitting around and, and just looking at each other, wondering what, what the world happened. So, but uh, it, it's turned out all right. You, you and I did the same thing. I moved my, my family in the middle of the pandemic, yeah. so um, turned out great now, but yep, absolutely. during it, it wasn't <laughs> great. So, yep. what's the key to winning this tournament? Uh, I think consistency. Uh, realistically, I mean, everyone may have their own own word for it, but um, if we play our game, stay focused on this pitch, I mean, it's kind of cliche as a coach to say, everyone says the same thing, but I truly think that's the hardest thing to do in baseball is, is everybody talks about playing one pitch at a time, and it's incredibly difficult. Uh, just staying in the moment. Um, we're obviously going to need some, some great starts out of guys. Our bullpen's been a strength for us down the stretch uh, offensively. We don't have a guy or two that we, we rely on. We have a, I think we have a pretty, pretty offensive unit uh, with a lot of different guys that can hurt you. Um, those guys just need to go do their thing, you know. Um, obviously, play clean defense. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think there's one, one key factor to it, but I really, really think that if, if we play consistent and we play focused and uh, with energy, uh, we can be tough to beat. It's part of coming back to honor Coach Chef. No, I, I mean, I, I love this place. I, I really do. Uh, Coach Chef is just a one-in-a-lifetime a guy. Uh, he's just an icon, and not only around the, the program, obviously, the, the Valley, but around uh, collegiate baseball uh, altogether. He's, he's just, a, just a magical person, um, just a, like I said, once-in-a-lifetime guy. Um, he had a tremendous impact on my life, um, second only to my parents. Um, but the other coaching, coaches that were here, Coach Miltenberger, D'Amato, uh, Coach Nickram, and then of course Coach Piconi. Those guys are—they um, all had a key influence in my life. So uh, I'm just proud to be the head of this program. So you were part of that crew I was reading about in collegiate baseball that was chopping wood and boxing. Oh boy, yeah. So an old friend of mine, Marvin Menard, made it to the to the big leagues. He and I were the the prize fights. <laughs> it was uh, it was something. So yeah, three one minute rounds uh, last a long time. <laughs> Do you feel like coaching high school and legions helped you? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, player we had here um, played for us. He's an All-American, Darren Trainer. He's now the head at the high school, and we're talking with him that I really think the only way you can really become a really good coach is to coach, and you, you need experience. And there's no, um, I mean, there's no mistake in that. You have you have to be on the field for a long time to to really get the ins and outs of it, and feel like you kind of have a, a pretty pretty good clue of going what's going on. So helps yeah. with the recruiting standpoint too, correct? Like you're you're in the pipeline of high school coaches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we 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 don't get many high school guys here, but we get uh, a, lot of, a lot of junior college guys, a lot of Division one transfers. But it is nice to know a lot of uh, high school guys and be able to cross check guys. Uh, simple guys that I coach with, guys that coach for me, and um, yeah, it's 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 still. What's your necklace? It's a uh, St. Christopher. My parents gave it to me. I went to Catholic High School, long, so long, long St. Christopher and, uh, as well. Just always held on to it. Yes, love it, love it. Yeah, that was our, before we took the field, it was St. Christopher, let's go. Yep. Yep, yep. that was really good. Any turning points this season? Uh, I, the, the only thing I could kind of think of was the Hope game last week was, uh, was big for us. They came out swinging. We had to come uh, from behind three, three different times in that. Uh, we played tremendous defense. I mean, the score was 15-14, but I think we had five diving plays in that. Um, I think it gave our guys a real boost of confidence. And then the next night, we turn around and play a very good Concordia team and hold on to a one-run lead against that. And then the uh, the third game had some fireworks early in it, and uh, we ended up extending the lead and kind of putting it away there in the, the latter portion. But I think that Hope game, if there was a turning point, was was probably a, a key for us. 
Uh, they're an extremely athletic team. Uh, we face their top two arms, and, uh, and we perform pretty well. Do you feel any validation now that there's no auto bid? I mean, you guys are here anyway. I mean, I, I don't because I know how good you sure. guys are, but yeah, I mean, outside, I outside noise is like, yeah. oh, auto bid. Yeah. They're probably not going to get you. you know, yep. Do you feel some validation? Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, I, I knew taking this job a couple of years ago that this was coming and there would be big pressure. I mean, every, every head coach has pressure. This one has just a little bit more uh, based off the history and then we host it and everything. So last year when we qualified, it was more of a relief um, being the first time. And then, cause that team was extremely talented last year and, and we ended up going against British Columbia and they were, <laughs> they were fantastic. So we ended up taking, uh, taking that series and, and getting here and then performing, performing well, ultimately losing in the championship game to Southeastern. But uh, to do it again this year um, in the fashion that we did, um, it feels good, and, and obviously the, the regional I think really helps us. Um, you know, the the previous couple of years uh, in between COVID, um, God, we just had a huge three four week layoff, and so as much as you want to, you can part of the time you can get guys healthy and you can lift, and everyone else is competing. But at the at the flip side, everyone's competing at an extremely high level, and they, they come in here hot, and so it's hard to hard to mimic that. We can try and scrimmage games and everything else, but it's pretty tough. So it's been nice to do this, yeah. yeah. What has the city of Lewiston meant to NAIA baseball? Oh, it's, this place is uh, it's a one, two. I mean, you look at Grand Junction, yeah, Enid absolutely. here, like for me, that's the three outside of Omaha. Like, yep. it's like, it's very similar feel. The community embraces it. Yep. You look at the clinic last night. Yep. Fantastic. Unbelievable. Kids great, great reminders of me of the Yes Clinic for the NCAA sure. in yep. Omaha that I worked as a high school, uh, college sure. senior that had such great feel to it i'm so glad yeah. that you guys are continuing yeah the community is just it's remarkable here it really is um just so giving so overjoyous i've talked with three or four of the, the different head coaches and they all just talk about how kind everybody is and gracious and everything else but that's it's not just uh one month out of the year that that's what this place represents it's a hard working town uh blue collar town and uh, they love their baseball Took a picture of your sign in the indoor hitting cage. So it's, it says Lewis Clark State Baseball Offensive Priorities, which I always take. I visit a lot of places. Sure. So mental toughness, physical toughness, visual acuity, arriving on time, strike zone awareness, and biomechanics of the swing. Sure. Um, how long has that been with you? Um, kind of came up with that, just a compilation of things uh, throughout the years, and just a lot of a lot of stuff you can kind of filter into one box or the other. Um, obviously the mental toughness piece like we were talking about earlier, just the ability for guys to stay in the moment and not think about their last strikeout or where they just kicked the ball defensively or whatever. Uh, I think that's a huge one. I, I really think it, uh, for a guy to be a great hitter, he can't be afraid of the baseball. Uh, just, it just is a red flag for us. We get guys diving out of the way. Um, we're just, we're not, we're not going to move from it. Um, and then you're moving down the line. I, I really think that swing mechanics, I mean, everybody here has pretty solid swing mechanics. So they want to be here, but the ability to duplicate it in a high pressure situation, um, being able to hold the zone, that's something there in the middle of the season where we were, were struggling, we were chasing too many pitches, elevated fastballs and breaking balls away, that type of stuff. Just not really controlling what the controllables and what we can do, but um, yeah, holding that zone. And then obviously I think the most, the, the largest physical tool a hitter can have is the vision. I mean, you have to be able to pick it up. I tell our guys all the time that there's never been a blind man that's uh, played in the major league, so you got to see 70 it. 70% is like 2013. Like sure. that's, yeah. that's like 70% yeah. of big league hitters yeah. is 2013 with their eyes. Yep. So. Yeah, I remember back, you know, you talked about 
I think Lewis and Clark's historically had really good bounce backs. I think Bo Mills was was a name that oh when I was coming out, sure. that was the the big name. Yep. Was he a Fresno State bounce yep. back? Yep. Yeah, Bo yep. Mills was the name that kind of stuck first, out. First rounder out of here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your son's committed to Columbia Basin, yep. correct? Yep. Any any thought of him coming to play for you here? We talked about it a little bit. I think it'd be hard for both of us if it really would. And uh, as somebody went through it, I would highly recommend doing it. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna let him go play for a couple of years and see if he truly loves the sport and wants to grind away. That the NWAC's a, a truly competitive league. Columbia Basin does a fantastic job yep. with the program. They got great facilities. It's close to here, so hopefully get over and, and zip over and watch a game or two. But uh, yeah, so excited for him to start that next journey in his life and uh, yeah, we'll see what comes down the road. How involved were you with him with baseball when he was coming out? I get really, a lot of questions from parents. Sure, so, really involved, as a parent. really involved growing up um, from the time he was probably six. Um, coached all the t-ball teams and then the little league teams and the Cal Ripken teams, that type of stuff. Uh, he was on a really good team down in, in Boise before we moved up here where they'd won three consecutive state titles and went on to the regional. Um, all three years we lost to three different teams in the regional championship, uh, so we never made a um, Cal Ripken World Series, but uh, tremendous Is that group. benefit of being in high school at that point? You can spend maybe a little bit more time with him as he's coming through? That was when, that was, he was kind of in that sixth, seventh, eighth grade through there, and then when we moved up here, I have, haven't had a big chance to be a part of it. I, I do feel lucky when I can watch a Tuesday game or something like that, but weekends have been a struggle. And then obviously with his schedule and our schedule, I don't get to work with him all that much, which is, that's a, that's a definitely well, downfall probably not going to listen to you anyway now yeah. that he's in high school, correct? <laughs> that's true. I think he still listens, but dad's probably a little too hard on him sometimes. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Coach. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, here with Tyler Torrey, uh, Westmont University, uh, second season, correct? So congrats on making it here. Thank you, thank you, I appreciate it. Hey, what's Reggie Christensen meant to your career? Um, Reggie is amazing. Um, the, the years that I spent with him um, were a lot of learning, um, and it wasn't so much that it was learning, um, it was more observing, um, watching how um, tactical he was in the game. He's a true game manager, um, he knows what strings to pull when, um, but that all starts with preparation on his observation in, in practice. Um, the way that he watches and, and, and gets players um, in position to succeed. I think that's one of the biggest things that he does is the players know that they're in the, the spot that they need to be in because they trust him and, uh, and his ability to put players in the best position possible to succeed um, goes unwavering. Is he one of the most underrated coaches we have in the game? No doubt, no doubt. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, uh, in the industry, he's not underrated. Um, people, people know about him. Um, I know uh, our pitching coach here at Westmont was at Georgia Tech uh, last year as their pitching development guy. And, and, uh, and Coach Hall, was first thing he asked me, I was like, hey, what, what can you tell me about, uh, to, uh, about Rick Hubbard? He's like, well, first tell me about Reggie Christensen. Um, and so even though, you know, we're, you know, Sacramento's in the small, you know, small side of the West Coast, um, Reggie's, Re Reggie's well known in our industry. So your coach was at Georgia Tech. What did he bring from the pitching development side that maybe you guys weren't doing before you got here? Sure, sure. So, um, they, you know, Georgia Tech has, has all the bells and whistles. And sometimes all the bells and whistles, um, you need to um, not dumb it down, but you need to, you know, kind of condense it and get it to be more practical. Um, especially for especially for uh, players at the end for all levels, whether it's youth, um, amateur, or professional, um, you have to be able to kind of uh, 
you know, know who you're talking to. And so he's done a really good job of being able to talk to seniors a little bit different than he talks to freshmen and be able to maximize who they are now, but who they are going to be in the future. Um, college baseball coaches were in the development business. Um, and the reason, one of the reasons why we're here in Lewiston is because we have a group of seniors that have developed in this program. Um, and so if we can continue to develop, we're going to continue to have good success and you don't have those peaks and valleys. What are some tips for some coaches? Because I was at those places that didn't have bells and whistles. We couldn't yeah. afford it. What are some, some development tips for coaches that maybe can't afford some of the fancy stuff that's out there that maybe you guys are using that, that, to get around maybe some of the tech that, that everybody else has at the bigger schools that sure. maybe the smaller schools don't have? Yeah, um, I think it's important to, to one, um, use the, the radar. The radar gun is good for, for pitch um, um, spreads, fastball versus changeup versus slider. Um, I think it's also important to maybe um, use um, black sharpie or tape on a ball in the, in the bullpen um, because you can kind of, if you have a camera, even if you have uh, your own iPhone camera, you can slow it down a little bit just to see how the ball's spinning. Um, and and some, of those, some of those little, you know, little nuances to just seeing how the ball spins or, um, hey, you've got, you know, we've got to make your curveball just a little bit slower because it's about the same speed as your slider. Some, those, those little instances. Um, on the offensive side, the ball's, the ball's your best feedback. Um, and I think that that, will, that should never go away. Um, I, we tell our hitters all the time, like, you know, they're like, hey, how, do, you know, how does my swing look? How do, well, what did the ball tell you? And, and I think that's really something that's important is to, to not let the, the data and analytics take, take us away from what made baseball great. What are you looking for differentials? So fastball differential comparatively to maybe a changeup differential because obviously yeah. you're disrupting the hitter's timing right. with a slower changeup. Yeah. What are you looking for differential? Yeah, so um, usually the changeup's about six to seven off of that. Um, the, it, it, on, a, on a slider, you want it either a little bit above that or a little bit below that, depending on who the pitcher is and what his arm speed is. Um, and then the curveball's obviously probably another six miles an hour off of the changeup. Um, and that just gives the, the, the hitter different looks. Um, with my background being a, a, a catcher, I see those and I'm, I'm watching the hitters. Sometimes in the game, I'm not even watching our pitcher throw. I'm seeing how are the hitters are reacting to what we're throwing. And so you can kind of build the game plan on, you know, hey, when this guy comes up, is next at bat and he's got runners on base, we can do this, this, and this. I mean, what is it about catchers being good pitching coaches? I think they're the best that we have. So, sorry, pitching coaches out there that weren't catchers. I think the, the best pitching coaches we have in the game were, were catchers. Yeah, and I, and I think it goes back to any coach, any coaching, uh, any coaching job you have, it's about relationships. And so as a catcher, you have a, you have a relationship with the pitcher um, that's different than being a coach or, you know, uh, sometimes pitching coaches are ex-pitchers and they don't, you know, they, they know how to talk, um, but it's a little bit, just a little bit different. Um, and, and the accountability of a catcher going out to the mound and knowing who that pitcher is, whether they need a pat on the back on, hey, everything's gonna be okay, or they need the other side of that where it's like, hey, let's go, like we need to, you know, we need you right now, let's, let's up the ante a little bit. Um, so being a catcher, you, you see the game differently. Um, you see how um, the perspective changes once I moved into the dugout and now I'm coaching. You, you have to you know, change your lens a little bit, but you don't, you don't ever lose those, those tactical or just the, those insights to just seeing how, what, that, what that hitter is doing or how he fouled that ball off or how he took that pitch. So, um, but catchers, catchers, there's a relationship with the umpire too. Um, and so there's just so many, you know, our coaching, our coaching business is all about relationships. And so I think catchers have, are in both sides of it. Yeah, the catchers have to manage the entire staff. Pitchers have always been focused on just themselves, which sure. they should. They're, in, they're on the tallest part of the diamond, yes. so they should be focused on themselves. Just catchers have had to manage the entire pitching staff. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, 
like going back to knowing who you knowing who you have on the mound, and I think it's important to to um, know the circumstances of the game um, and know where where you want to get this guy to. And like I said about Reggie, is is how are we going to maximize that guy on the mound? As a as a catcher, you're a servant to the to the pitcher. What does that guy need from us? I may be 0 for 3 with three punch outs, but what does that pitcher need for our team to make sure that we get back in the dugout and score more runs? And then with Tony Schifano too, I mean, another good one, San Francisco State. Was that a UC Davis connection and how you got there? Yeah, so um, when, I was, when I was playing pro ball, um, he was coaching at UC Davis and I actually went back to work out and I, I rented a room from him. Um, he's, a, he's a few years older than me. Um, so I knew of him. He's, a, he's in our Hall of, UC Davis Hall of Fame. So um, when I was still playing in 2015, he got the job. Um, and he called me. I was in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, um, getting, getting towards the end of the season. And he called me and said, hey, I know you're still playing, and I want you to play for as long as possible, but I just got this job, and I want you to come. Um, if, you're, if you're willing and able, I want you to come and be my recruiting coordinator and pitching coach. And um, three weeks later, I was in a, the purple and black of San Francisco State and getting on the road and calling all the people that I needed to call recruiting wise and continuing to build it. And it, it, it was fun to watch them play. They got, you know, they, they continue to grow that program. And it, um, some of those, some of those first, that first class, they just graduated. So senior day was kind of, you know, from afar was special because it was some of those first seniors. But um, Tony, Tony is awesome on the, on the offensive side of the short game, the base running, the details. Um, maximizing because um, San Francisco State, it's a big field. Um, you can't just sit around and wait for a three-run homer. And I, I know that other, other teams in that conference, um, Monterey Bay and, and Cal State San Bernardino, they can sit around and wait for a three-run homer because they play in different parks. Um, but San Francisco State's a little bit different. So you got to pitch and play defense and, and pay attention to those little details. But Shifana was integral in, in who I am today and where I am today. What drew you to Westmont? Um, Robert Ruiz, Robert Ruiz um, I met him at Stanford camp, another one of those you know, community deals. Stanford camp is, was huge for me um, in just meeting people from across the country. Um, I met Robert there. Um, Westmont, um, the Southern California area code trials is there, so I've been there to recruit. Um, but when I went on my interview and walked around campus and met the people in the community and met the athletic department, the other coaches, um, it's a special place um, of community. Um, I was at three state schools prior, so I never got to be open with my faith um, to, to the masses. Um, it was more of just FCA or Athletes in Action, so now it's something that's in my everyday life um, that, was a part of, that has been a part of me that I had to kind of hold down a little bit because I was at a state school. Um, but Westmont was something that um, when I went on my interview, I knew that, that that was the place I needed to be. And I'm really thankful for the opportunity that I was given to be there. I knew it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was just given to me. So I, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. But um, every, every, everything that's happened since then has, has been magical. Is there a difference between Northern California and Southern California baseball? Yes, very much so. Um, and and that's, it's, that, that's based on the high school rules. Um, Northern California baseball, um, you, can't, you can't have more than four or five players in a fall game together. Um, whereas in Southern California, all the high school teams are all playing fall ball and winter ball and all together. Um, that's why I don't think ever there should ever be like a state championship in California. The, the Southern California, no offense to Northern California, but the, de the depth of teams that are down there, they've been playing together rather than having to be apart in Northern California. And that's just based on section rules and you know, no batting practice before the games and no overhand toss. And it, it's, there's these rules that are in Northern California that just don't allow for players to build the community connection of being at a high school team. And you see it across the country too. 
um, you know, you have teams that have been playing together for four years, um, and that's something special. So there is something a little bit different with that. What's strength of your team this year? The group of, the group of older players, um, the players that have been here before in Lewiston. Um, and is it transfers? Is it four-year guys? guys? It's a good mix. It's a good mix. So the seniors, we've got some, we've got some D1, D1 kickbacks. We've got some four-year guys. We've got some five-year guys. Um, and it, it's a good mix of, it's a good mix of um, seniors that have been, been together, but also some of them have been through ju junior college baseball and know what it's like to scratch and claw for everything you earn. Um, but this, this older class, um, has really like continually gotten better each week and to have someone to be here last year um, in the first time in school history and then have a new coach come in um, and have the same ideals and the same morals as the previous coach but the delivery might be a little bit different it took a little bit of time for us to get on the same page but once we did um, the development as a team the team culture just just skyrocketed um, and it was really something special to watch um, to see the, 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 the play on the field be a little bit more um, free and easy rather than structured and, um, and by the book. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in the free to fail the freedom, mentality. Freedom. The free to fail mentality. We, we had a guy, we, we had our, our, our third baseman in a regional last week, earlier in the season, we were watching Bregman bounce past the ball to second base. And our third baseman did it in a regional game last week. Like he was moving to his left and bounced the ball and it, it, I'm, I'm in the dugout going, no, but then I was like, oh, that was awesome. He did the Bregman play. We, 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 we fool around and practice and do it. Little Ted Lasso. Oh my little gosh. Little Ted Lasso feel too. No it. doubt. No <laughs> doubt. And I wanted, to, I wanted to be like, no. And then all of a sudden it was a, you know, five, four, three double play with a bounce pass in between. It's like, okay, hey, that was awesome. Let's try not to do that again, but I'm glad it worked. <laughs> so the, the freedom in that, and that's a, our third baseman's a four-year player that, you know, was, once, once that freedom hit, now all of a sudden you saw his game elevate, and he's not in that freedom to play and the freedom yeah. to, to, to figuring not, out how to make plays. No, no doubt. matter what it looks no like, doubt. figuring out how to make no plays. No doubt, no doubt, and that and that's the same thing that's gone on the offensive side. Um, halfway through the season, I think we were hitting 270 as a team, and now all of a sudden we're you know we're at 299, right right above 300, and it, it's not rocket science. We started striking out less. We started putting more balls in play, and we started putting more pressure on the on the uh, on the on the defense. And uh, you know, we last year's team had a lot of home runs. This year's team, we don't have those middle of the order big bats that we were, that they were waiting around. So we had to figure out, you know, how we were going to score runs. And it, and it took a little bit of a little bit of time, but once it hit, and now everybody kind of has an identity of a full lineup, which is which is really nice to nice to see. With your kickback guys, it's kind of nice to have them because they can basically relay to everybody else that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. 100%. 100%. Um, and to be honest with you, the best part of NAIA baseball coming from a Division One or even Division Two is the rules. The re-entry rule gives opportunities so that players can get the development. Um, and so I, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of, of the NAIA rules um, of being able to, you know, you know, you're up, you're up a little bit. You can sub down. You can put someone it's in for a defense. Basketball feel to it. No doubt. It's got a basketball feel to it. You no know, doubt. Again, okay, go sit on the bench for a little bit. You can come back in. Like, it's yeah. got some basketball feel to it. Yeah, and and it and it happened earlier in the year. We had a second baseman that didn't look like he was engaged in the game, and I took him out and in the eighth inning he came back in and made a huge double play turn and, and got a base hit later in the game it was it was a learning opportunity like hey if you're not ready to play someone else is ready to play but on the flip side of that you've got younger players we've got you know our whole infield is all seniors 
Um, but we got some playing time for some of those younger guys. So when these guys are gone, that it's not like all of a sudden, you know, okay, I've gone through two years of my career. I have 40 at bats and all of a sudden I need to get 200 at bats. I'm not ready for it. Um, and so, um, you know, I think getting those opportunities is, is really important to um, the development. And I'm a huge proponent of that. And, and it was, it's, it's given our younger players more, more, uh, has given our younger players like more um, push. They, they push themselves because they want to be ready. It doesn't well, they know, know. They know they might get in. No doubt. No doubt. They know. It's different a freshman who, who's sitting there. Okay, I got a bunch of seniors in front of me. I can kind of check out during the game. One hundred percent. I'm never getting in. These guys have to stay in tune because they know there's a chance they might get in. One hundred percent. And that's 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 something that's been really special this year to watch the the older players kind of kind of kind of mentor and, and and talk through the game. How's it travel in your league? Um, not not bad. Um, we have we have, we have quite a few um, quite a few teams in Southern California. We had to bus one time to um, Arizona, which is which is fine. Uh, I I did enough I did enough bus rides um, to help out the guys and just like hey like if you're if you're tired let's bring some of the yoga mats we'll put I, them in the lay them down. My, that was my hack. I no laid doubt. my yoga mat out. Yep. Yep. Lay and you can lay down. Um, lay across the seats. We'll walk over you to get to the bathroom. Um, you know, just like little little things here and there um, to get, give them a little insight. But uh, we've got Northern California teams. We've got quite a few Southern California teams, and there's no easy weekends, which is which is prepare which prepares you for playoff baseball, which is which is awesome to awesome as well. Have you adjusted the workload or schedule as you've gone later into the season with these guys? Yeah, um, with with so many older players, um, you know, uh, we were talking as a coaching staff. You know, we have all these, you know, we have all the bunt plays and all the first and thirds, and you work on it in the fall and you work out it through the season. And how many times have we run a a, a, a different bunt play? And it, does, it happens few and far between. So with as many seniors as we've had. Um, you know, it's, it's more of, you know, it's staying on them, holding them accountable to the preparation that it takes to be good at baseball, um, but also, you know, not pushing it past. Um, we also, in our, in our conference tournament, was also finals week for us. So I was 8 a.m. in the morning going and, and proctoring exams. And, and so, you know, I know that guys are, you know, stressing about that. So adding the stress of baseball and the stress of school at the same time, we have to pull back a little bit. I just finished reading uh, Ryan Holiday's Discipline is Destiny. He talked about Greg Pop, the Popovich, oh, yeah. got a $250,000 fine because he rested those guys on a, on a t- national television game. Yep. But they ended up winning the championship because of that. He ate two hundred and fifty grand because he was like, I'm not, I'm, I need to rest them. Yeah. If we want to win this thing, i got to rest them. And that's, and that's another thing, getting back to what you talked about, Reggie, is like he has a feel for the team. He knows what they need. He knows when he, we need to push practice a little bit harder. Um, he knows that, the, you know, uh, practice plans are great, you know, but if you're working on something and it's not working, like there, there's a time where it's like, okay, we need to, we need to move on to something else or, hey, we need to get this thing down. And I think Reggie was really good at that. And so like having like Popovich, he had, he knew the team, he knew what they needed. Um, he probably used some of, of the miles on those legs with those older guys. No doubt. And it probably have conversations with those guys. Like, hey, what do you think, you know, I, I'm thinking this, what are you thinking about that? Like we have, we, our senior shortstop, like he knows the team. And I'm, uh, anything, anytime I need anything, I'm, I'm going to him and I'm, you know, like, hey, like, you know, should we pull back a little bit? No, 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 I think we need to take infield outfield today. Like we need to, we need to continue to, you know, um, hey, we've been using these BP balls all year long. Do you think we should bust out the new ones and go to Lewiston? No, 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 we're rolling with these ones. So those are the conversations that you have as a coach. It's, it's, uh, it's special. Once you started working with Tony, I mean, was that kind of the nudge to, to stop playing for you? 
Um, I always knew I wanted to be a college coach. Um, when I got to college, I just I went to UC Davis to go to school. There was Phil Swimley was there for 50 years. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, that was my redshirt freshman year. Um, there was 120 people at a tryout, and so they saw something in me in a two-day tryout, and then they got the best out of me. And Rex Peters, um, who was the head coach, and Matt Vaughn, and and they saw something in me, and so I wanted to. I wanted to be that for someone else. I want to be able to take one of our freshmen and, and, and see him struggle a little bit and give him encouragement and give him the guidance and see him flourish. Because um, my experience in college was special um, and it wasn't so much just the baseball, it was everything else. Um, but the opportunity that I got was because a coach saw something in me that I didn't even know I had. And I tried it, that's why, that's why I got my coaching, uh, that's why I wanted to coach. Um, That's the definition of a great coach, isn't it? Seeing things in other people that they don't see in themselves. No doubt, no doubt. And giving them the giving them um, the freedom to find it out on their own, but also knowing that they need to have the confidence that that I have in them, and try to instill that, but also not just give, force feed it to them. Um, and I think that that back and forth and that that chess match is really important. Um, especially at a school like Westmont with the faith-based faith -based, uh, based background and the, the tough school, and we don't have lights. So as soon as it gets dark, baseball's over. Um, but, you know, school's really, really hard, and so you have to try to find balance. Um, but you also have to, you know, gr grow, grow these young men. And I think baseball does a great job of, of, of preparing for the future, whether you're losing a job or, you know, um, you know, life's hard. It is, and, I, and, base, and baseball helps. That's what we all sign helps. up for. I mean, the life no path doubt. is hard, and I think you have to anticipate that it's going to be difficult. No doubt, no doubt. And I, you know, I kind of equate coaching now to like shaman and sherpa, where the shaman kind of leads the ceremony, and then the sherpa has the pack on with you yeah. leading up the mountain. Like, I think that's what our best coaches do now. No doubt, have that feel to them. No doubt. No what did you learn from the World Baseball Classic? The name on the front of the jer jersey is way more important than the name on the back of the jersey. Um, and a team that came together two weeks prior. We all knew each other just from playing pro ball. Um, we had a couple of players, Italian-born players. I think it was really important that I got to play on the national team the year before um, to know some of the you know, lesser-named players, but you know, um, we came together really quickly, um, and it wasn't star-studded pitching. It wasn't, um, you know, it was under-the-radar players. Rizzo wasn't a superstar yet. Uh, Punto was kind of on, on, his, on his way you know, to retirement. Uh, Denorfia was the in the center field, but it was a bunch of guys that came together for the name on the front of their shirt, and they were all pull we were all pulling on the same side of the rope, and it didn't matter if it was the number you know the leadoff guy or the nine hole or the pinch hitter or the you know the seventh inning guy. Um, we went toe to toe with the best in the world, and baseball can do that. Baseball is one of those sports where you can go toe to toe with anybody um, on any given day and and feel like you have a chance. And we believed. We, we talk about belief in the Westmont baseball program all the time. Belief in each other, belief in yourself. Um, and that's something that you're, like you said, like uh, something I learned from the World Baseball Classic is having belief that um, no, matter, no matter how many outs or the situation, like you have belief in yourself. And if you have that belief and you stick to your plan and your approach and it doesn't work, at least you know, at least you, know you put in the work and you have, your your, your, you have your team behind you and we're all pushing towards one thing. And it makes the, it makes the, the failures easier to come back from. That's a Manny Ramirez quote. He's like, you live and die with your plan. Yeah. Live and die with your plan. Yeah. Just stay with it. Yeah. So, thanks yeah. for your time, coach. No problem. Thank you. Lewiston is another bucket list item for a baseball fan. The town really embraces the teams and players during the event. 
It's also a beautiful part of the country in the Pacific Northwest. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Jim Richardson, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at coachb underscore abca, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.